0: You're listening to the Straight Shooting Radio Show on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the hosts of the show, Jason Selms and Mario Vladko. All right, guys, welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me, Uh, Straight Shooting Podcast today. And, uh, of course, Mario's with us again. How you going, Muzz?
1: G'day, Jason. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again for another episode of the Straight Shooting Podcast here on AHP.
0: Yeah, I know People, a lot of people have been uh, emailing us, uh, finding yep. out when the show's happening. I'm not sure if we saw still the last show. Muzz just had a baby, so he's uh, been a very, very busy man uh, looking after his new son. Yep. So is yep. that good? How's that been going, mate? Pretty...
1: pretty. Yeah, very, very challenging, Jason, to be honest. Uh, you know, we're very short of time and uh, the kids take up a lot of our, you know... A lot of our spare time you know sports and now with the new baby which i'm i'm very you know very happy about uh this is uh i'm, I'm father again at, <laughs> you know I'm father again third time so uh i'm very happy about that and then uh, my I've got a, a younger son now. I've got two boys and one girl, and I, I couldn't be happier, Jason.
0: Yep. But what we did do, the missus gave you a pass, and we just uh, recently went on a uh, hunting trip. Yep. And uh, it was a really, really fun and exciting time. Uh, and a lot of you guys know you might have seen on uh, Facebook, finally, after, what, Muzz, I think almost five years. I well, think fi- I th- Five years, I think, yeah. I think I started going back in around 2011, I'm pretty sure. Uh, started hunting. I uh, started hunting in different forests. You know, trying to scout, trying to find the best places to hunt deer. You know, which areas hold deer, and uh, looking at all types of strategies. And yep. you know, uh, what are you, what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? Yeah.
1: Uh, basically, Jason has really tried very hard, and he, and he, you know what, he's seen a lot of deer.
0: He's seen I've a lot. Seen a lot of deer, but just couldn't get that prize. Yeah. And and sometimes it's interesting, isn't it? Because. When I see them, sometimes I'm just driving around, scouting through the forest to see, you know, just to, just to find out the, the the layout of the land, you know, what's yeah. going to be a good spot, what's going to be a good spot. You drive around and then guess what? You see deer running across the road. Yeah. You see them munching on the side of the road. Uh, other opportunities I've had, for an example, say going out in the morning and going out for four or five hours and then realise, okay, I wouldn't mind going back for lunch, you know, meet the guys again, have an hour break, maybe you lie down, yeah. then going back out again in the afternoon and I'm, rush to get back to the car sort of thing because it's that time of day and then all of a sudden i turn around and i see the you know the arse end of sort of two deer running off (laughs) you know next to me you know what i mean so and there's different things especially going out other times and you know having other people get deer as well sometimes can be a bit disconcerting. i'm happy when i go out with people that get deer because we share uh, all those types of things but uh, you know when you keep going out you think you're in a good spot Mm. Nothing appears when you might have seen deer there before driving around. There's lots of say, you know, like muz We saw lots of deer prints, yep. and in the area we're in, we're seeing lots of deer prints. Now I had multiple, uh, uh, a couple of different forests as well, and there was a lot of sign. And that's the thing: where do you sit? Why is this a good spot? Why is it not a good spot? Yep. Why would a deer just pop out of here in this particular area? And. You know, I was, I was just excited to uh, get my first uh, fallow buck. It was an, a, a little chocolatey fallow buck. And yep. uh, whilst it wasn't absolutely massive, um, it all just happened so fast. And I was quite shocked because when it all happened, it took, literally took about two seconds. For people that haven't seen on Facebook, basically what happened is I, I found a, a good vantage point uh, in this particular forest. I thought it looked like a good area. There was a lot of prints in this particular area. And I'd been hearing the croaking because it just apparently started. One of the uh, rangers turned up in one of the specific forests that we're in and um, said, you know, that they've been croaking for, you know, about three or four days after we got there. And um, the interesting part was I found a good spot. I thought it looked good. Went there earlier in the day. Nothing happened. Mm. Decided to go there in the afternoon. I was hearing croaking. This wasn't this particular deer, I don't think, because I was hearing it from a different area and i heard heard something to my left and as you know there's a lot of birds a lot of wildlife and i thought there was just a bit of fluttering from a bit of wildlife then yeah. all of a sudden maybe you know half a minute a minute later i just heard this big bang and the deer had jumped from the pine sort of down into this ditch L- like a thud yeah like a big thud yeah, yeah. yeah. like a big like th- thud you couldn't you couldn't yeah. miss it and then came up over the top of this little mound then sort of onto this grassed area mm. and this all happened in about a second then all of a sudden he looked around left and right and I was behind this pine tree and I, there was a a branch coming off the side of this pine tree. And I said to myself, listen, you know, if a deer does come here, which I didn't think there was going to, uh, make sure you don't hit this uh, pine branch. And guess what I did when I lifted the gun? I hit the pine branch. So, um, and, then, and, then I, and then as I hit the pine branch, he looked m- sort of my direction but i don't think it was. I just think it was he was looking around he he was now out of the pine, compromised, you know obviously not feeling as safe, and then he went to turn away from me a little bit to go the other direction. I lifted the gun for what I thought aimed for the shoulder, and um, you know I think I was using the three oh eight hundred and sixty eight grains of the uh, outback ammunition i 'm not reloading for it yet, but I will in the future, but I knew it was on the money at least at a hundred meters, and you know anchored him straight away, went up there, bled him out, and as I was walking towards him, muzzle was interesting because it all happened so fast and I'm, I'm sort of walking to, over, to, over to the deer and I'm just, I'm like, wow, that's it. Like, it's all happened so fast. I, I just, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to do, but, um, I mean, obviously I know what to do, but, you know, all that happened, all these emotions sort of come over. So I sat there for a few minutes just sort of thinking about it and, you know, it's good to be a bit of emotional to get your first deer after this long and you don't realise it's actually going to happen this quickly in this short of a time frame. In that two seconds, just like, bang, there he is, bang, shot, gone, yep. you know? Yep. And um
1: well it's a golden rule of hunting isn't it Jason it's um uh, things happen when you least expect it and uh that's one of the things I, when I mean we started hunting together very early on I always said to you you know you could be sit- sitting there for 5 hours and nothing happens all of a sudden yeah you know all, all these animals come out and that's I guess um part of the Were you sitting in a lot of spots too because I know you've seen a fair few deer as well Oh yeah absolutely like, uh, I saw quite a few does, uh, some I was able to um, try and get a shot on, uh, but I chose not to because I was thinking there was other animals in the area, uh, because uh, there was quite a, a large group of does, some bigger, some smaller, that I saw earlier, and I thought I was going to catch up with them again, so when I saw this uh, young little doe uh, jumping out, and I was thinking there was, uh, you know, more animals following behind her, so... I stopped. I waited, 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 and nothing came out. So I ended up getting a bit of video of the doe because I really wanted to pick, I guess, pick my target. I wanted to get a good size uh, eating animal. So I didn't want to just get any kind of, um, you yeah. know, just any any baby animal. So I wanted to get a good size animal. And uh, then later on, I did see that large doe. I did see her, and she was a good size. I mean, I'd easily, easily, be about eighty kilos. Easy. She was really big, uh, nice fellow. Beautiful coat on her, and I did see her later on. And then uh, she was walking on the other side of the track, and I was waiting in a spot which was nice and secluded. Like I mean, there was um there was cars, other hunters driving by, and everything. No one, you know, no one, no one would see me. So I was waiting in a nice spot, and um, I saw her coming out of this game trail, and then she started walking along the track, and then. Uh, as I was about to take a shot, she went into some bushes and I thought she was going to come out the other side. I was getting ready uh, had my gun ready, well you know, I think this is it, this is it i 'm going to get her and what happened? she dashed off into the game back into the game track <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know I missed my opportunity, but I did see a lot of animals, so and that was good and you know what any any trip where you do see a lot of animals is very encouraging because it just makes you feel like yeah okay i 'm really hyped to go back, and you know it 's not necessarily about you know getting the kill every single time. It's about, you know, just seeing a lot of uh, wildlife out there that's, you know, um, a, lot, a lot of good game.
0: Yeah, I remember when I, we we, we uh, first got to the to forest. This is before Muzz showed up. I decided to go to a certain area where I'd seen Prince before. Mm. Now, obviously, this is not where I, I, I hunted the deer, but uh, I thought this was a good area. So I sat there a couple of times throughout uh, the trip early on. But when we first got there, I pulled up in the car. Uh, myself, another hunter, uh, uh, jumped out, and we... Yeah, looked at the ground, basically, and um, I saw lots of prints. Then all of a sudden, mm. uh, a friend of mine goes, Hey, Jay, says a uh, deer over there, mate. And I went, <laughs> Oh. I looked up, and literally, it, was a, it looked like a baby. I thought it was a Samba at first, but now, now thinking about it, I don't think it was. Uh, he, he basically saw us, turned, and sort of ran a bit, but yeah. you know, a little bit sheepishly, so we probably would have had a shot. And then the interesting part was, though, a little bit up this dirt track, uh, I, I just looked up to my left, and I saw a little head popping out. Then all of a sudden, this female doe very white i wouldn 't say albino but very light, almost white, a little bit of color on the top of the back, literally just pranced out onto the track and i 'm looking at i 'm just we 're standing there probably fifteen now probably twenty five meters away yeah she uh, 's looking to the right, looking down at us, and i 'm like don 't move don 't move <laughs> She stood there for at least forty five seconds stared at us we 're just standing there dead, still mind you i 've just got to the forest i 've got a pair of jeans on me boots and like a, a a blue a blue polo shirt. And all of a sudden, she just goes, boop, 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 just trot, toddles <laughs> up the track. The, you know, this uh, sort of you know, tracky game trail type thing, this little open area. And then just, oh my God, I had plenty of times to shoot. And then there was one morning I got up to, went for a walk, was walking up this track, you know, ran into a small fallow 15 meters away, right on the corner of a game trail in the pine. Didn't have a chance to shoot. She knew I was there. Her little leg was in the air. She was yep. sort of jittery. Uh, And I had about 15 metres away. I tried to raise the gun a little bit, but even just the the tiniest of moves, she was gone, straight back into the pine. You know, get stuffed. You're not going to try and shoot me. See you later. And goodbye. But, um, yeah, we were seeing Dean. It was just a really good weekend. Yeah, Uh, it was
1: a great weekend. I mean, uh, one of our friends shot a nice uh, 80-kilo buck. uh, Very good. A beautiful coat. Jason shot his first buck. I've seen – I saw plenty of animals. The other boys saw plenty of animals. It was a really good – uh, weekend, uh, we had a great campsite, excellent fire. Um, Jason put the shish kebabs on the on the fire, <laughs> which was great, and we had a, you know some really good food, good company, and that's what it's all about, really. You know, just a great company, camaraderie, and uh, a really good uh, hunting experience. So uh, yeah, that was fantastic, and um, you know, Jason, we've been going hunting state forests for uh, many years
0: now, and that was probably one of the
1: best experiences.
0: Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it was good. It's, it's a great uh, area. And you know the interesting part is you're seeing game. It's it's not like everything's been shot out. You're seeing game, but yep. that's the hardest part because the pine's so thick. You've got to stick to the fringes. You've got to try and hit those game trails. Sit on the ends of in the corners of those game trails, and you know, and it's that's just a very incredible. important
1: point actually, uh, Jace, You just brought it up, but you really have to hunt to the conditions, right? So you really have to just analyze the area that you're at, whether it be a private property or whether it be a state forest or in Victoria national parks. You really just got to have a look at the conditions that you're hunting in. What is your maximum visibility? Like, what is the maximum range that you'll be able to see something? Like, some areas are nice, big, and open, and you know, you might be able to see something past three, four hundred meters, even with the naked eye or with the binos. But other areas are, are very scrubby, you know, they're, they're highly wooded, uh, there's a lot of vegetation, and you're lucky to see anything further than 50. So, and it's very important to and hunt the conditions. That was the area the we conditions. were hunting
0: into, wasn't it? We were hunting in very sort of thickish area, yep. maybe fifty to seventy-five meters at best, depending on where you are. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, but it's finding that those little open spots, find those little grassy patches, yep. and yep. hoping the little. But I guess disappear. also that's
1: why they, that's that's also why the animals love it too, Jason, because there's plenty of vegetation, plenty of places for them to uh, hide and run around. So, you know, I guess that's part of the reason. So very important for you hunters out there, just make sure you know your surroundings, know your area, and make sure you're well-equipped and you've got the right gear to hunt that particular area as well.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it, why they move around so much. Obviously now it's the breeding season. They've got to move, they've got to breed, um, they've got to find food i mean i'm not sure in regards to water how much water they're drinking or in those colder weather whether they're getting enough dew off the you know little short grasses etc or they 've actually got to hit those water courses yeah. i don't know but i was just thinking you know a couple of times there i'm just thinking what am i doing here <laughs> like honestly like what am i do? i'm sitting here in the cold <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm daydreaming a little bit um you know i've got no coverage in that particular area so i was sort of looking at other things and photos on my phone yeah Mate.
1: It's so hard to maintain your concentration yeah, sometimes, but is. you know what? I'll tell you what, Jason, it's happened to me plenty of times. When you're least expected, expected, the animals that you're not hunting for, like say, for example, foxes, feral cats, and so on, they just pop up out of nowhere. And it's great to see them pop up because you think, ah, I gotcha. You know what I mean? Because you're right, literally right next to them, they pop up like five to ten metres next to you. And because you're still, you're just standing there in your little hide and you're waiting... And they have no idea that you're there, and you just <laughs> you just yeah. nail them. And, and Look, that's the... I, I even know I know the feral cat again, again, Jason. Yes, like, tell uh, us
0: that because we've got the fox story as well. Tell us, yeah. About the cat. So <laughs> you got
1: you got a fox. So yeah, no. This feral cat was um, literally like um, I kid you not, probably about twenty meters away from me when I saw her, and I was just walking down a game trail. And the moment I saw her, well, I'm assuming it's a her, but uh, anyway, it was a, a a, you know, it's mangy black cat. That's what it was. So the moment I saw this cat, I just <laughs> froze. I froze, and I'm there, right in the middle of the game trail. Now, I mean, you can't miss me. I'm right in the middle of the game trail. It's not heavily wooded or anything like that. It's um, it's just me standing there, and this cat's just walking up, walking up, walking up. And I'm thinking, this cat doesn't see me. <laughs> it's just casually walking up. And it's looking right at me, but it just can't see me, right, for some reason. So anyway. You've got a
0: knack of shooting cats, too.
1: <laughs> I know. I'll get them every time. But I've anyway. never shot a cat. <laughs> anyway, so this cat is just, just walking up towards me. And now, by this time, the cat's like literally four to five meters away. I'm not kidding. Like I could throw a rock at it. Right? So I'm looking at the cat. I just lift my rifle up and the cat's look, looked at me just that very moment because it sees this thing actually moving in front of it and it looks at me and he goes, Ugh, I wonder what that is. Boom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. You hit it though the first time, didn't you? Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How far were you away, do you think, when you actually hit it?
1: Well, probably about five metres with the 30-30. So I can tell you right uh, now the result wasn't pretty.
0: Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to – yeah, no, I just never – actually, no, I did see a cat in that forest, but I didn't have the opportunity because it uh, yeah. it ran down a trail and it, it saw but me. But, you know, it
1: reminded me also, Jason, how important it is, right, to just be still, right, and just be like, just like one of the trees and don't move. It's important to get the advantage on the animal. So a lot of guys mm-hmm. do walk around the forest or walk around a, a property, which is also good because you do cover a lot of land. However, you expose yourself – Sorry, you you, not, you deprive yourself of the element of surprise because nine times out of ten the animal will see you
0: first before you see it. Yeah, hundred be, percent.
1: Because you're moving around, that's the problem, yeah.
0: right? And even so, when you, you know that when you're walking around too, it's very hard, especially in some of these areas, even normal areas. You walk along a trail, you've got dry leaves. You're trying yeah, to walk yeah. along. You're say stepping that, a lot of things. Yeah, even you know, if you're walking on sticks, the sticks. So- whatever. Yeah, you walk on the side of a road, for example. You've got um, uh, uh, you know, sand, you've got grit. It's yeah. When it's so quiet, it's almost impossible to walk without scaring deer, at least deer and yeah. other animals as well. Uh, I noticed that every time I've, I've you know how many times I've walked through a forest, oh deer, oh, deer, gone, oh, deer, gone. Oh, look, deer right in front of me staring at me, wish I had a gun, gone. Yeah, but that's why also, you know, you
1: have those moments, especially if you're in an area where there is a lot of trees, if the wind's blowing, you can hear the trees creak. You know, I mean, and making noise. And during those times when you're walking, uh, at least you know you've got that opportunity. But to But I reckon be able to they walk.
0: know. They just they know that. Do, do they just they know it for some reason. Maybe, I don't maybe know they could,
1: maybe they can sense it. But to be honest with my experience, that I've I've noticed the times when I'm just standing still, and uh, even when I'm walking, if I'm walking very very slowly. If you get the element of surprise on the animal, it's they usually can be as, as close as ten to twenty metres away, they will not know you're there unless of course the wind the wind is blowing your scent in their direction. So in in that case they'll they'll know you're there from hundreds of meters away in some cases. So but that's it. You know, like it's really good. It's it's important to think about those strategies to get uh to make your hunt successful. Now the other thing is too, Jason, okay, we were talking about uh, out of all the ridiculous gear that we had in the past like you know when we started going hunting and we had you know all types of guns different scopes and so on yeah and yeah and i'm guessing that most of the guys who are at hunting who are beginners have probably experienced this you know many times you know you go out you buy something you think it's going to be fantastic yeah. like a brand new gun or scope or whatever and just becomes completely just, um, Useless not, or, not suitable for, for, yeah, not <laughs> for, for the f- application, not fit for not, purpose, not yeah. fit for purpose. And we're just yeah. talking about that, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, you're right. How much equipment people have gone through because they thought, oh, this would be a good idea, but then realize, oh, no, it's crap, you know? So, yeah, no, exactly. And it's, and it's very interesting. And, you know, we're talking about scope selection now. Scope selection is really, really important. And the reason why I say that it's basically makes a difference between, um, I guess you being able to shoot an animal very quickly acquiring a target very quickly and easily or not being able to shoot anything at all so you you might go hunting and during that trip especially if it's deer or you know other types of uh elusive animals like for example pigs can be quite elusive to be honest sometimes uh you won't just find them everywhere except maybe you know cape york or something like that where they (laughs) plague proportions but uh in western new south wales unless you're on private property that's got a you know uh, I guess, say, uh, that's overrun by feral pigs. Pigs aren't always easy to hunt, especially in state forests and also, um, you know, in Victoria, in the national parks. Uh, and that's, I guess, quite a lot of, you know, many many factors regarding that. I mean, a lot of guys out there with pig dogs, they get them with pig dogs quite easily. But hunting them with a rifle isn't, isn't easy because they're very, very quiet through the forest, especially when they're just going when you're just passing by, unless they're feeding or unless they're fighting or something like that, or, you know, unless there's a big boar making sounds, you generally won't hear them. And uh, so with the scope selection, um, always consider your terrain. So, for example, if you're hunting in an area where, you know, its visibility is maximum 50 to 100 metres, then you probably don't need that big five. To 20 by 50 scope on your you know rifle that you've just made it look like a full sniper rifle or something like that and uh you know and it's probably got a big heavy barrel that you know after carrying it for about an hour you you think my god i wish i could drop this thing down now
0: you'd be surprised how many people there's a a guy i was having a chat to in the forest and he was carrying a uh tika ctr which is, I think, is a is a heavy barrel, you know. Um, and it's interesting because, and girls, I've made this mistake. Trust me, from someone that's done it, I think I've everything I've ever owned, especially in regards to firearms. I don't, I don't think I own mm. an original firearm that I first purchased when I got into shooting. Yeah. And the reason is, I like, give you an example. I had the seven mm 08, fantastic caliber as Muzz was just um, alluding to in regards to scopes. I think I put on my original seven mm 08 deer gun. You know what I put on it, Muzz? A what'd you put? S- six and a half. To twenty four six to twenty four by (laughs) forty. Or forty two, whatever it was. It was a Bushnell Elite thirty five hundred, I think it was. Now, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, when you looked at it, it was a telescope. Yeah. You know, and on a, on mine now, I, I end up trading that in as some people know. I sold that, and I didn't sell the the seven mil because I didn't like it. Seven mil is an absolutely fantastic color, but the only reason I sold it is because I wanted to reload. It can be difficult to get brass. I mean, there's not an, a, a large amount of selection of projectiles as there is with yeah. 308. So I ended up purchasing a 308, and I kept the scope, which was a three to nine by forty Zeiss Conquest. Now, Mars was talking about scopes. Now, if I honestly was doing it again, and I didn't have the Zeiss Conquest. Honestly, I'd probably either go a 1 to 5 if they still make them or a 2 to 7 yeah, uh, you know, one because to they're five small, behind, yeah. tight, lightweight. Yeah. I've got a Ticker T3 Super Light, which is also very light, and the interesting part is when I've been shooting that off the bench, I've noticed a bit of the recoil. Uh, mm. I did put one of those really spongy pads on it. I think it was – not sure which brand it particularly was. Uh, it's a Geltech one, really spongy. I can't even tell shooting it when I'm out in the bush, but yeah. 2 to 7 – Three to nine at best, guys. In those conditions, I mean, I'd, I'd probably stick to a two to seven, even a one to five. Really, really beneficial. You keep but, a small rig, the a light is, rig.
1: Yeah, but the problem is, Jason, with the one to five, it's very hard, very hard scope to find. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, We've I been mean, looking for them. They're difficult. They're expensive. It is difficult to find. So, I mean, uh, look, the, the type of scope I really want, I, they really haven't made it. I think Schmidt Bender make a, uh, that particular scope, which is a one point five to six by forty two or something like that. Which is a really nice coat, but it's unfortunately it's like two grand. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think <laughs> and Leopold the only- make
0: a, a two to seven, so I mean that'd be the next yeah. best option. Yeah, uh, you know, or well, I'm not sure exactly what configuration or what model that number comes in, but. I mean, that'd be a fantastic gun. So it all depends yeah. on the on the terrain you're hunting. And even three to nine like mine, I can shoot at the 300, 350, you know, pollen with a three to nine. Yeah, that's you right. Know, provided, you, you yeah. know, again, you're proficient with your firearm, you're shooting, you're going to maybe shooting off your pack, lying on the ground, a prone position, then you, you, know, you might be comfortable making those sort of, uh, you know, uh, shooting shots, especially on deer. Yeah. You know, so but,
1: but you know what, Jason? Some of the younger blokes listening to this show right now who just got into hunting, probably may be a little bit puzzled as to what we're talking about. They may think, well, why wouldn't you want a full tactical, you know, yeah. uh, external turrets, you know, like yeah. big 50 mil objective and six yeah. to 24 by whatever. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want one of those things? And and the simple answer is this. W- when you go hunting, most of your hunting is done within 150 meters. Okay. So most of your hunting is really done within 150 meters or even within 100 meters, I would say. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I've shot something further than two hundred. I, I just can't remember. I think one time long time ago on private property I've shot um at a fox and at about two hundred meters. But most of the time you can call them in and, and get them in a lot quicker. But the point is, is the reason why um all those big powered scopes are to me personally are just no good for hunting is because it's a six powered scope. So you start off with a six power. And when you see something right in front of you, like at about 30 metres away or 50 metres away, you're trying to focus on that animal with a six-time zoom. Now, that's not easy. And it's very hard to acquire the target especially straight away. Especially you're
0: standing too, guys. You exactly,
1: know? especially if you're offhand. So that's not easy. It's hard to get target acquisition straight away. And you may spend at least four or five seconds trying to acquire that target. And the
0: most important thing too, you've got a very small or smaller field of view yes, compared to say field. a two exactly. to seven. Exactly. You, know, you should see the field of view mm. if you've got mm. three or four pigs standing there and you can only sort of see one or two in the scope and there's six. Yep. And, and you're trying to move it around. You're trying oh, you'd be to lucky shoot. to shoot
1: one, if any so that's true so you know you've got a smaller field of view uh it's already at six power right or four power whatever you might have so that when you are actually just the slightest movement of your of your hand or you know while you're standing or whatever it is is a massive movement on the actual crosshairs of the animal so it's quite easy to you know miss your shot with with a high powered scope like that so for that reason And this is why it's so important. You've got to get the right scope for the right gun to match the conditions. So, for example, if you're going to someone's private property that you always go hunting on, there's big open fields and all that stuff, fine. A 4 to 16 by 50 scope or whatever might be just fine because most of the stuff you'll see from about 150 to 200 metres away, which is great. Right, but a lot of hunting, especially in state forest hunting, and on a lot of private properties it's it's fairly woody um, you know you, you may only have visibility of maximum hundred meters. I make, those scopes to me are just completely useless. I've missed so many opportunities because I've had be, you know the wrong scopes on my guns. missed heaps of opportunities, and that's why like, now even when I go deer hunting, I've, my scope's got no magnification at all. I've got a thirty thirty marlin. Which, is my, my favorite caliber thirty thirty with my lever action Marlin, and I've got a red a Walther red dot scope on it, a top point red dot scope. So, and that's got no magnification whatsoever. It's not perfect. I mean, in low low light conditions, I mean, the red dot can be a little bit annoying. But to be honest, I've chosen that. Because it gives me the fastest target acquisition. So anything that pops up in front of me, within two seconds, I can acquire and dispatch the target. Very simple. So that's what I like about it. Now, other scopes, of course, you know, you can you can get a whole bunch of different scopes, and there are some brands out there like Burris like uh, Bushnell, you've got the uh, Leopold Maker a, a VXR, which is really good quality Zeiss, scope. Zeiss, Redfield. Zeiss, yeah. So I would recommend really for a D-hunting rifle, I'd recommend a 2-7x33 to seven by or 2-7x32, to seven by whichever configuration they make. I think, um, yeah, like just the brands that we mentioned make a pretty good model, and just make sure you get the right reticle as well. Mm.
0: So, I mean, even for a D-hunting rig, just simple crosshairs would probably do the job. Yeah, Again, we're not yeah. saying that those... Higher powered scopes don't have their purpose too. If you're out west and you're shooting three to six hundred meters, you know I've got a, a rig for that too. I've got the, a two four three with a five to fifteen on it because with tu- with turrets on there. Because I, what I'm hoping to do is use that as a sort of long range sort of armament rifle for a bit of fun. So I'm working out loads right now. So I'm not saying there's no purpose to those. If you're going to hunt properties, yeah, we're absolutely you're going to be shooting at three to six hundred meters then maybe that's, that's, that, that might be more suitable to you to get a bit of a higher power, you know, 4 to 12 or somewhere around there. But again, those large animals, you can still make those shots at those distances. But again, yeah. are you even comfortable, even with a scope... Do you know Mm. where your bullet's going to go at 500 metres? But that's the thing too, Jason, even with a a lot... lot, of
1: people don't. No, that's
0: right. Even with a
1: lower-powered scope, you can shoot stuff, you know, close range as well as a little bit longer range. So, Mm. I mean, 2 to 7 is ample for shooting animals at 300 metres. At 7 power, you can see a pig or a deer quite easily at Mm. at
0: 300 metres. And the targets are a lot bigger as well, so you... Listen, there's more room for error, but generally the target accuracy is going to be a lot easier yep. than, say, shooting a rabbit at, say, three to five hundred meters.
1: Yeah, so I've got a list of just a couple of scopes here, which are two to seven by 32, two to seven by 33. And you've got the Leopold VX1, which is roughly around about the $300 mark. The Burris Scout rifle scope, which is also good, has got a ballist, ballistic plex reticle. Um, and that's roughly around about the $500 mark. And that's a pretty good quality scope, actually. The Nikon. Uh, P thirty blackout. Uh, this is a two to seven by thirty two. Uh, so that's a very nice scope as well. Uh, Leopold VXR, which is a two to seven by thirty three, and that's a, a, a really good quality scope. Actually, that's around about the six hundred dollar mark. And then you've got other scopes like the Vortex uh, Crossfire two Scout rifle scope, which is a two to seven by thirty two, and the Zeiss Terra, uh, r- which is a two to seven by thirty two. So you know, like a lot of a lot of good scopes. That you can put on your deer hunting rifle, and um, now, but Jason, rifle selection, rifle selection. This is very important, right? So, okay, what kind of rifle uh, for safe hunting? You know, medium to large size game. You know, in a state forest or private property. um, What kind of rifle would you select? What kind of projectile? What kind of bullet? Um, Me, thirty caliber all the way. I love. I love the thirty thirty or three hundred eight. Anything uh, around around the thirty caliber or upwards is is
0: for me is, is the best. So, um, I mean, you're not saying there's any because there's not a lot of guys will go. Oh my God, here come the caliber wars. But I mean, anything. Yeah, you no. know, two seventy, two seventy upwards, yeah I mean, depending how big the fallow are, two, four, three, mm. um, all depends. You know, on what you're going to. But again, you never know what size deer you're going to encounter, especially if yep. you're down in uh, Victoria. You have got what the minimum is two seventy. There's no minimum. There's any recommendations in New South Wales, but you just never know. So, um, you know, and most of our game, I think I'm shooting one sixty eight grain in the three oh eight. That's because that's all outback make in the. I think it's yep. uh, uh, The outback ammunition, but I mean, if I was going to do it again. Uh, and I'm going to reload, which I eventually will when I go through these loads. I probably wouldn't go more than 150 grains, 140s, 150s, mm. even I think 130s. I mean, you're getting a bit more speed out of them. That's going to knock any game. Pigs, deer, yep. um, you know, maybe the 150s for Samba, but again, you're shooting them in the right spot, you're not going to have a problem. You seven the yeah. 7.08, again, another good calibre as well, but again, a bit harder to find You know, projectiles. And the reason I say stick to the main calibres, and a few people have done videos on this, I think too, there's um, uh, Alex Proft, who Ozzy uh, yep. Bush Harvest, who makes videos for YouTube as well. He went through a bit of a cal- caliber video the, about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and stick to the calibers that if if you are shooting factory ammunition, yeah. something if you go somewhere, you're going to be able to buy ammunition for. Yeah, that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. I mean, I think I'm buying the the Outback Ammo 308, it's like twenty-six dollars for twenty, which is not too bad. That's but not too bad. Yeah. For 308, that's really good. Yeah. Whereas you've got the more expensive calibers. You know, 7 mil, you're looking at about 40 plus dollars a box, 300 wind Mag. Yeah. Again, great calibers, but exactly again, a yeah. lot more
1: expensive. I guess what it comes down to, how much bang you're getting for your buck. So, I mean... There's no deader than dead, though, man. Yeah, I know. But here's the thing, right? So, like, for some of the bigger game, like some of the sandbar and so on, I mean, anything bigger than a 150, 160 grain projectile should be pretty good, as long as it's a well-placed shot. So, just consider that. Now, rifle selection, Jason... Uh, A lot of guys go out there and they buy all this big, heavy tactical stuff. heavy barrels, no good. And, you know, these tactical uh, frames and chassis and all that stuff. I mean, that all looks fantastic. And I'm a big fan of those rifles and I I love guns altogether, right? But what we're talking about here is practical hunting, okay? Practical hunting. So we're talking about not looking like Rambo when you're out in the forest or, you know, Not looking like you're going to take down bloody, you know, the Middle East or something like that. But just, (laughs) but just having some practical gear
0: that works, it works well, it's functional yeah and also uh you stick it's... to your light hunting yeah. barrels that's light. my opinion exactly. hunting barrels so you got i mean got remingtons you got howers yeah. Zab, you know the ruger gun scouts Your my favorite ticker i'm a ticker haul people laugh it Maybe yeah. it's a seiko a hey ticker t3 light's a great yeah, gun ticker t3 light you got anything with a light barrel i mean if you're gonna i know guys that walk around with varmint barrels in the you know ticker t3 yeah. or ticker t3x super varmint mm. i mean if you want to walk around with a gun that heavy fantastic but it's just not practical, it's yeah. just, especially if you're walking 8 to 10 kilometres a day. Uh, mate, you try and carry that. I don't care how fit you are. You know, you're going you're gonna to feel it by the end of the day. If that's what you want to do and that's what you're interested in, hey, all the power to yeah. you. And, the, but, the other
1: thing too, Jason, also is barrel length. Very important. Now, people don't sometimes consider this. They think, oh, wow, it's got a big, shiny, stainless steel barrel. Excellent, you know, like 22, 24-inch, whatever it is. Look, the shorter the better, in my opinion, because sometimes you want to just hide amongst the trees and be, have the versatility of being able to swing your gun left and right, or whichever direction. Now, you've got to understand, just because you've got a slightly shorter barrel, so my, mine on my um, on my Marlin, which is a thirty thirty, I think it's a 16-inch barrel, so 18 or 16, I can't remember, but anyway, it's a shorter barrel length. Now, this makes the gun quite compact, okay? So well, if you get a shorter barrel length, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to shoot uh, less of a distance, it, you can still um, quite easily with mo- a lot. Of, there's a nice Remington out there. That I can't remember the model, but it's got a really nice short barrel, and it's a fantastic hunting gun. And um, this sort of rifle can easily shoot four, five hundred meters up to right. So it's not going to be a problem. But having a shorter barrel reduces the weight of the gun, uh, increases its maneuverability. If you're stuck behind some trees, just trying to hide out, so that's also very important. Take that into consideration, and also. As well, like for example, if you've got a big heavy barrel, at least you, you know that if you try and line your shot up, you're not going to get stuck in the trees, eh, Jason? <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> like, <you. laughs> like I did, you know what I mean? But I, I'm actually really, really impressed. I'm glad I've got now an outfit that really just suits my purpose. Three to nine by mm. 40, Zeiss Conquest, and then I've got the Ticker T3 Super Light, stainless steel, with the fluted barrel in 308. I tell you what, I, I shot a fox and a deer. Uh, over our recent hunting trip and I didn't even feel the 308 uh, in in the hunting application. Didn't feel anything at all. But before we finish off, we've got one story as well. What's that? About the fox on the the trip as well. This is an interesting one, guys. So I'm walking down this trail... I'm about to link up with a, uh, a game trail, so I'm like, doot, 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 mm. down the road. <laughs> all of it, you know, using my, I've got, got some new binoculars as well, so I'm just testing those out as well. Yeah, the, I saw them. Yep, yeah, the first nice. day. And uh, all of a sudden, this fox just pops out on the trail in front of me, Contin- and it starts walking in the same direction as me. So let's say we're walking in the 12 o'clock position. It's going towards 12 o'clock, and so am I. So I stopped instantly. All of a sudden, it came to the trail, and then it sort of just, just sat down. And it sat down. Well, actually, no. It sort of sat down first, but then it kept going, and then over this little mound, and it was sort of sitting in between this mound. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to blow deer cover. Don't worry about it. Just, just let it go. And then all of a sudden, it kept sitting there. So I'm just standing there, just watching it. And it's, you know, on the ground. It looks like it's looking for mice or something like that. It's just heads moving left and right on the ground. I'm thinking, okay, it's obviously looking for food. And I thought, you know what? It's a little bit before deer time, so it's a couple of hours before dark. I'm just going, to like, shoot this thing, you know what I mean? Just get rid of it out of the state forest. You know, it's probably been hunting native animals. Anyway, so what I did is I had my binoculars on. I got them on the harness, so I didn't want to lie down on top of them, so I put my, took my bag off, put the bag down on the ground very slowly, and then I got down, I took my binoculars off, just laid them on the ground next to me, put, and I got on one knee, and that did turn around. But then all of a sudden, it was just must have been looking for something, like mm. something was buzzing around its head, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, so I got down on my... Stomach, gun on top of the bag. By that time, I had a lower point of view, so I could just see the sort of top of the shoulders and the back of the head facing so, so away from me. So you're in
1: the prone position?
0: That's right, in the prone man. position, lying down, guns on the on top of the bag, getting a nice sight, probably 50 metres, 60 metres, couldn't mm. be any more than that. As I said, only seeing the top of the shoulders and the head, just aimed, just breathed out, boom. <laughs> Instant in, that, in that second, like what happened with the deer, in that second, you sort of seen what happened in that yeah. last, even though your recall, you got that split second view and then I knew it dropped and I thought, okay, I did it, did it run? Because it was in, in, in between this little soil mound, so I had so I walked down the trail. What do 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 it, it three hundred eight, three oh, hundred eight. If it ran, it's doing yeah. all right. <laughs> three hundred eight, <laughs> one hundred sixty-eight grains, and then that. yeah, and I got down there, mate. Honestly, I was actually quite surprised with the amount of damage. I know three hundred eight damage, but mm. normally you think they would pass through it. Probably did pass through. I don't know because there, there was a gaping yeah. hole the size of probably two cricket balls in the side of its neck. Uh, Must have went in through the Jeez. top of the shoulder, gone yeah. totally dead. Uh, it was actually kind of good, kind of made. I should, i made a video about it, so I should put that up on YouTube. But that's uh, also
1: another interesting topic, Jason. Shot placement, shot placement is very, very important. Now mm. I'll tell you right now. Um, I remember the first time I shot when uh, when I, when I first shot my first buck. Actually, um, wow, what a moment! I just think about it in my head. I was I was um, quite fortunate actually because I was stalking this animal for quite a while. And um, finally, he came out of the woods, and I had this opportunity on my right-hand side. He was broadside to me, perfect, um, perfect position. I lifted my 30-30 up, aimed for a heart-lung shot, perfect, boom. He ran about 10 meters, and that was it. He was dead. So really lucky that I got a really good uh, side profile on him. So I got him broadside, excellent shot and you know that's very important so a shot position is very important and the reason why is because if you injure an animal especially you know a large pig or a deer they're just going to run away especially in that thick stuff too exactly if they go back into the thick stuff you're never going to find them you're never going to find them so shot placement is really important guys now sometimes this is difficult to achieve because especially if this could be your first
0: deer that you've ever seen like you know you got buck fever. I you, didn't have it. I must know? admit, after this long, this is the first trip, mm-hmm. right, where even seeing deer, not that I didn't have buck fever, but it didn't have the same effect, if that makes sense. Right. Like before, I'd really. Right. <gasps> Like I'm like Oh my heart Probably because
1: you've seen Plenty of deer prior That's probably what it is Maybe
0: it was I just Even on that trip I go oh deer That was good to see But I wasn't like like, like, All of a sudden There's one Heart rate Mm. going up Like I did get it a little bit When I shot the deer But that was because more Well I hit the branch In front of me And it was over in two seconds I just didn't have a chance I aimed Happened real quick eh? Yeah (laughs) Wanted to hit the Tried to hit the shoulder Aimed Squeezed off As quick as I could End up being a lung shot Wasn't bad Yeah You know, Cut his throat bleed him out And then you know Took the meat
1: well, excellent. Well, I mean, that's very important. Uh, a well placed shot is extremely important. Now, when you see that deer coming out of the bushes, then you might get, you might get, you know, a little bit of adrenaline running through you. You'll be a little bit nervous. You know, it's called, it's generally called buck fever. What you need to do is you need to just at that very moment try and control yourself.
0: It's hard though. Very It is hard. Very,
1: hard. very hard. Try and control yourself. Don't let off a shot, you know, in, in haste. Uh, keep an eye on the animal. Make sure you get the right the right position for the animal. Uh, Wait if you have to. Uh, just be patient. Get a really good shot placement heart lung shot or a really good neck shot. I, I recommend. So uh, it's important because a really good shot placement means that the animal will drop straight away. It'll just run a short distance and drop. Or if it's a poor shot placement, it'll run away and will keep running for up to a kilometre and you'll never find it. So that's very important, guys, when you're out there hunting. Shot placement, extremely important. We want to get an ethical kill, and you want to be also be able to find your animal. That's, that's really important. So just consider that, especially when you've got that adrenaline running through you, and you're nervous, and you think, oh my God, oh my God, there it is, there it is. Okay, calm down, calm down, look for your scope, breathe out, and then place your shot properly. There you go.
3: Looking for a big weekend? Australia's biggest sports shooting and outdoor event, the SSAA Shot Expo, is
2: now even bigger. With hunting gear and outdoor equipment from the world's biggest names, plus demonstrations, talks and entertainment for the whole family. Over 150 displays,
1: one location, the SSAA Shot Expo. Melbourne Showgrounds, May 20th and 21st. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au for sponsors and the full program.
0: Oh, well, that was a great conversation. We've been talking a lot now about hunting, which is which is kind of good. It's a bit different. I guess we're going to the, the politics and the issues now. But, um, but you know, you
1: know, it's good, Jason, because, you know, a lot of times we open up the show and it's just bang, straight on to the politics, straight on to all the things that are going on around the country and around the world. Well, this time, you know, it's good. We'll talk a little bit about hunting, a little bit about rifles and scopes and, you know, uh, deer hunting and uh, your first, uh, first buck, Jason. Congratulations. First deer.
0: All right. First, let's go to a few... Uh, emails, Muzz. Listen, um, listener emails? Yes, from uh, David. We love our listener listener, Actually, listener emails. <laughs>
1: a bit of a tongue twist there.
0: Yep. Uh, this one is from David. Now he goes, I love the show, guys. Gets me through the slow days at work. It sucks now that I'm up to date. I have to wait two or three weeks between a new episode. Jason, you're, p- <laughs> you're pissing me off. If you- <laughs> I know you may be a bogan like me, but <laughs> the word is pronounced g- uh, genuine, not genuine. Okay, well... Maybe, did I, did I say genuine? Is it genuine or is it Ge- genuine? Genuine. Yeah, but if I say are you are genuine, are you a genuine guy or a genuine guy? Are you genuine? Genuine. Genuine. Yeah, yeah, genuine. You, okay, fair enough. Oh. All right, I'm wrong. All right, David, you're thanks, right. Thanks, David. So, thanks, David. And for yes,
1: that one. Uh, yeah, Jason is a bogan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, next one is uh, from Nick. He Hi, Jason. Just catching up on a few of your podcasts today. And happen to hear you you talking about starving David Shitbridge of Oxygen. As someone who constantly floods his page with facts and realities and have yet to be banned, I want to give you another look at it. I know that the Greens are never going to change their policies and I can't wait for the day they end up in the scrap heap. But I don't post there for them. I do make sure that people on the edge or those that are open to changing their stance see that info and form their opinion. I don't see the point of writing to him, but if you can make a fool of him publicly and it changes one opinion, I think it's worth it. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the good work. Regards, Nick.
1: Nick, 100% agree with you, mate. Keep up the good work.
0: Yep. I mean, it's not, I'm mixed on that one. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from too. I, I
1: Look, if he's being respectful and just making his point so that people can read the other point of view, Yeah. I mean, it's definitely
0: worthwhile, especially if he's not getting banned. But what I'm saying is that... a I'm not saying it's not a value of time invested. What I'm saying is, could we do better things such as... I mean, I saw two guys that I know uh, uh, on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, yeah. you know, having a massive fight over two particular pro-gun parties and they were talking about or three actually three different pro-gun parties and it went on for about two days um, and, I, and I know one of them in particular Is, is a, it a,
1: my, my pro-gun party is better than your pro-gun yeah, party? Basically
0: <laughs> and then we should be doing this and who are we voting for and then I'm thinking uh, if only we and I, and I know one of them in particular doesn't write letters to local members politicians doesn't yeah, make appointments yeah. and I'm thinking if only that time was better spent writing to your local members you guys achieved nothing by having this conversation true, sure true, uh, it was a bunch of egos clashing with each other but what's the point in that? What are we achieving by that? Nah, that's you're right. better off writing to your local member and a lot more would have got done. So anyway, but I, I mean I understand where you're coming from as well. I know you know sometimes you do have to refute an opinion, but sometimes you're never going to change that guy's mind and all the people that no doubt follow him you know, are gonna be of right. this similar opinion probably to him anyway. But, but I think Jason, instead of was,
1: instead of arguing about a program parties, what's more important is we get all the all the young shooters to start voting for program parties because a lot of them are still voting for bloody Labour.
0: Yeah, all liberal. You know, or liberal. Or, or nationals at or at least
1: at least give the program parties a vote and I, and I know a lot of the young guys because they you know I guess when you what's the old saying Jason if you're if you're not a socialist by 20 you got no heart but if you're still a slow socialist by 40 you have got no brain
0: <laughs> I guess that's true of hunters as well yeah. so you uh, know no you're right this one's a good one from Philip now I don't think of this is a little bit. This is about Muzz as well. Just a little bit. Oh, here we go. Jason, been listening to the podcast for a month or so. When I stumbled on a link, good to see a few blokes fighting for shooters' rights. Apathy is bad in Australia, but lots of us keep our heads down because the government, cops, and lots of people hate us. When they come for us, we will fight. I've started writing to the uh, writing to the bigger ones, as I don't want the local ones sending cops to my house to check me out. Only disappointment was going on YouTube and not finding the clip of Mars using his long-range mass death machine, you know, which is the Adler, to shoot that fox <laughs> at 100 metres or so. Mate, I've got to actually go into my list. I'm going to see if I can find that.
1: Uh, I don't know what he's going on about with that earlier statement. Cops, cops or whatever it is.
0: Well, you must probably yeah, writing to the cops. Don't write to the local ones. But you probably wouldn't be anyway, really. You'd be probably preferably be writing to your... Why would,
1: why would you be writing to the cops? Wouldn't you be writing to your local member?
0: No, but you write to the police minister, for an example. Oh, or, right. Okay. Or, or head. Yeah,
1: but the police minister is not necessarily a police yeah, officer. But, okay, not, but not, sometimes
0: yeah. you might write to Scipione, for an example, right, or... Yeah. or you know, uh, police commissioners I in specific states. I'm not yeah. sure if that's what you mean, <clears throat> Philip. Hey, write me again. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. But, um, yeah, if I've got that video, we should I tell you what, when that happened, uh. honestly, I actually did get pretty shitty with Mars. He goes, oh, oh, I thought it was. I said, No, you didn't think nothing. It's just, you, you can't shoot a fox uh, with an Adler at look, look, 100 meters. I, I, I can't meters. get out of it. It was a complete stuff up uh, on right. my end. I One can't time get out we went fox hunting, he was on song <laughs> when we had it. There was a time we went to another forest and. Um, You know, Uh, you
1: just have that moment where you think, oh, no, what
0: have I done? No, that was right. We went to fox hunting in another property. That's what it was. And you were on song that day. Yeah, I think we nailed, even on one stand, we nailed two foxes. Yeah, we
1: smashed a few. But, you know, what can you do? Sometimes you have an off day. (laughs) What, shooting at (laughs) about
0: 100 metres? Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: Sometimes you think you've got a different gun in your hand. So,
0: you know. It wasn't a rifle. I should have had one. I probably would have shot it myself. Anyway. (laughs) All right. We've got another one from Greg Uh, Good one. A uh, overseas listener. Ah, here we go. And Muzz loves the uh, Trump fans. Oh, I love them. As I do. So, greetings from Iowa. This is from Greg. I really enjoy the boys' podcast. It sure is eye-opening to know the laws in different countries are way different than here in the US. As far as firearms freedom go, Iowa is relatively a free state concerning firearms laws, and with the Trump administration, we'll be working to strengthen those. It's very interesting to me the differences in which our government, although coming from the same background, ended up very different. Our government treats us citizens. Sorry, treats us as citizens, your government treats you as subjects. That being what it is, all people have certain inalienable rights uh, to self-preservation is one of them. And if you're a citizen in good standing, your right to own a firearm should be guaranteed by the government uh, and not infringed upon. The whole term you boys use, a fit and proper person, is absurd with the term being wholly subjective and without objective parameters that can clearly be defined. It is open to abuse by politicians and those in power." Australia before Port Arthur incident was a civilised nation and Prime Minister Howard's actions after Port Arthur only worked to infringe upon the citizens' rights. Uh, Is is the nation truly safer if a man can't properly defend his family's safety in this greatest time of need? Yours sincerely, Greg. P.S. Go, Trump. Greg,
1: thank you very much. All the way from Iowa. What a wonderful state. The wonderful uh, state
0: of Iowa, the corn, grow, is it corn growing region of Iowa? I, I think, think it's so. where they I grow I'm corn sure, in Iowa, yeah. I'm pretty sure.
1: But look, Greg, I agree with all your sentiments and uh, thank you very much for being a keen listener to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I agree with everything you say and yes, you know, all we can do here in Australia, yes, I agree with you, the government does treat us like subjects and I guess that's part of the British colonial rule, I guess, you know, that's what it's all about here and unfortunately, Unlike you Americans, we don't have um, our rights guaranteed by the Constitution. Yeah. So uh, it's something we've got to work hard towards. And uh, hopefully, you know, with more support from people like yourself and, uh, you know, others uh,
0: like minded like you here in Australia, hopefully one day we'll get there. Exactly. Now, there's a guy, um, Vasco, who sent me an email about whether I wanted to uh, convert YouTube videos uh, of the podcast to to YouTube videos. Now, if you haven't signed up or you haven't uh, subscribed, the podcast is on YouTube now, so I've been uploading it. So, it, I mean, obviously, if you, if you can help out, you want to uh, put the show, yeah, download the show from the normal avenue like iTunes, so mm-hmm. I can actually track the downloads as well. Um, but it also is available on YouTube, so that's really important as well. Yeah, there's absolutely
1: you know? no excuse, you know, now Jason, for not being able to listen listen to the this yeah. great Australian hunting podcast. So we've got it on YouTube. It's on um, iTunes. It's, Stitcher,
0: on, it's on the website. On the website. It's um, everywhere.
1: Or literally everywhere. There's no excuse not to be able to uh, listen to it. So anyway, Jason's done a great job uploading all the episodes, all the episodes onto the YouTube channel. So Jason, what's the YouTube channel
0: again? Um, I'm just going to – what I'll do is when it comes well, – I'll put on the Facebook page because right now I've got to get over a certain amount of subscribers and I'm actually going to give it a specific URL, ah. specific URL. So it'll be basically youtube.com yep. forward slash – Australian Hunting Podcast, whatever awesome. it may be. I'll let you know that as well. But speaking of that, what I did want to say, and I forgot to do this at the start, we're on Patreon. Patreon. So, so Patreon is basically uh, all people that subscribe to or become patrons of Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash AHB. Uh, if you sign up for a couple of bucks, there's a, a couple of different options. There's if you don't want anything, there's a dollar, uh, which just basically supports the show, if $5. Yep. And basically what I'm going to do is actually put out the show uh, earlier, Yep. for patreon members so you'll get exclusive access to any new shows that become available before anyone else everywhere anywhere up to seven days prior to uh, everyone else listening to them and prior to being uploaded uh obviously to itunes obviously that's it and uh the website as so that's well. that's a good so.
1: idea jason for those of you that can't wait to hear that next
0: podcast yeah. get on the patreon patreon.com forward slash ahp and like i said guys if you are on one of the paypal subscription donations and you want to uh, just convert to patreon cancel the paypal one sign straight up to patreon and you'll be basically be able to get those podcasts before anyone else if you're happy to stay on the paypal subscription hey guys no problem i'm not saying you have to go to patreon but if you do want to get them a little bit earlier as well you know definitely cancel that sign up to patreon uh that'll be muchly appreciated
1: and we want to thank all those people who contribute to the show. I mean, we do the show literally for nothing. The small amount of money we get helps us to uh, keep the equipment uh, fresh and updated and helps us to be able to uh, fix anything that needs, uh, I guess, re- repairing. And uh, we really appreciate your donations, guys. So thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts.
0: All right, guys. We've got a uh, Facebook uh, voicemail. Uh, from michael from the facebook page uh so what we're going to do we're just going to uh, play that now and um, we'll come back just after that
3: hey guys this is michael from the facebook page if we ever get crocodile hunting out in the northern territory or in queensland will we see uh, lori levy or any of his friends out in the wilderness trying to protect the crocodiles
0: <laughs> very funny michael that's a good one <laughs> I like that. Um, I wonder if the, the protesters would get in the water with the crocs. We can only hope. Get in those little canoes, guys. would be fantastic. Yeah, know? I
1: wonder if they're going to try and fish out the crocs uh, after they've been shot, <laughs> shot like they do with the ducks. I Wonder <laughs> if they, you know, have the courage to do that. Well, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. I don't
0: think getting in getting in the water uh, after a couple of dead crocs, especially if there's a couple more floating around, <laughs> you'll have no legs. Uh, you know, after the after doing. Well, that. I can tell you right now if that happens. Uh, you you know, the,
1: the, the whole protest thing will be over pretty quickly. <laughs>
0: I know. Yeah. All of a sudden, they'll head straight back to Victoria where there's no, no on crocodiles. a serious
1: note, guys, we, d- we don't want to wish any harm on anyone.
0: <laughs> Just because no, exactly. it's pretty funny. And Michael, thanks for the voicemail. Really appreciate that one. Thanks, Michael. Okay,
1: guys. Now, uh, tonight we've got a special guest on the line. Uh, it's Neil Jenkins from uh, Combined Firearms Council of Victoria. He's posted something on Facebook, which is quite important. Now, there's a lot of news going around. There's an NFA review there's there's this just a ton of firearms political news, but uh we we thought we'd get Neil on the line to help us explain uh what this is all about, so it's a new legal fight over our gun laws, and we need your help that's the call out from the combined firearms council of victoria so um so yeah, now I'm interested in, to see uh what this is all about so um hopefully uh neil can explain it for us and we'll just give him a buzz right
0: now all right we we've got our neil jenkins from the combined firearms council of victoria neil thanks and join me uh here on me and Muzz on ahb thanks
2: G'day guys, good to be with you
0: perfect mate we want to find out what's happened to this legal fight uh, we saw the uh facebook post for you know hunters and shooters out there obviously not just in victoria but obviously around australia as well uh there's a legal fight happening uh over some guns, can you just explain or some issues that's gonna probably go to court or is it VCAT? Can you explain more and give the listeners some more details?
2: Yeah, no problem. Um last year the Victoria Police told the Herald Sun that they had actually sent to the government a series of recommendations for firearm law reform. Uh of course without without telling anybody what what it contained. So we started a, a series of freedom of information requests into Victoria Police and also the government to find out what what they were. Now, the documents themselves, um, we, we, we haven't got the details uh, because they've actually been claimed, what they call cabinet incompetence, which is a an exemption that's available where there's a document that's going to the cabinet. That's you know, the Premier and the ministers uh, of the government of the day. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the problem is it was the Victoria Police who were claiming that. And the view that we take is that the police are not part of, of government. They're actually just a regulator. and it's actually in Victoria the Department of Justice and Regulation which advises the minister, and not and not Victoria Police. Now we've had we've had a concern for a long time that the Victoria Police have been playing in the policy space. Um, that they, in fact, if they if you look at their functions under uh, legislation, and I'm sure it would be the same in other states, their role is not to make policy; it is actually to enforce the law.
1: So Neil, Neil, so, just quickly, Neil, can I just stop you right there? So is this a case of essentially something that me and Jason the been talking quite often about, is that the police are just basically starting to make the law, not just enforce the law.
2: It, they're making the law but also they're trying to um, hold themselves out to being a body that actually directly advises the minister on the law. Um, and that's actually the role of the department. It's not their role at all. So it's the same thing. It's the same issue. that, yeah, that so It's a conflict that's of interest. Ra- 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 oh, absolutely. Because yeah, you know, I, I, liken, I liken it to being a a football player on the field, and also the umpire at the same time. You, you can't be both. You've got to be one or the other. Yeah,
0: yeah, understood. exactly. And I think this has been uh, uh, interesting, Neil. Too, and Mars It's been happening for a while, hasn't it? The police are trying to, you know, dictate policy. I don't. I don't think it's just uh, significant to Victoria. I think they're trying to do that everywhere yeah. around the country. Are yeah, they? Not, trying not, not just in Victoria. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: We've, yeah, we, yeah, we've seen it in other states. I mean, you'd be aware of the um, the appearance uh, issue in, in Tasmania a while ago, and, yeah. and obviously. In recent times, the development of the recommendations in South Australia, sorry, the, the regulations in South Australia, where the police had, had a really, really big part. And, you know, there is a problem uh, also from the fact that they're not really held accountable to anyone. They are the, the golden child of the day. And, uh, you know, when it comes to things actually going sour in terms of fire laws, they can just point to the government and say, oh, it's not, it's not our problem, it's actually the government's problem. When, in fact, they are the ones who, who are constantly... Yeah, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing for um, for firearm law changes. You know, the, the issue is that they're getting involved in policy, um, which, as you said, is a conflict, conflict of interest. So th- these recommendations we know will also feed into the remaking of regulations here in Victoria, uh, which come up for review this year. Uh, and in recent, you know, recent months, the Victoria Police have been making noises about firearm storage, and also the rules regarding transportation of firearms. So, we're pretty confident that their recommendations, which, by the way, we, we, whilst we haven't seen them, we know they run for five pages, will cover things like, you know, as we saw in South Australia, mm. the minimum thickness of firearm safe walls, um, you know, and then the Victoria Police put out guidelines about a year ago on, on transportation, which were pretty much suggesting that. You can't simply put a gun in, in a gun slip in the back of your car. You'd have to actually somehow lock it to, to the, the frame frame of your car, which I don't mm. know how you do. Obviously, if you have got a boot, you can you know, put your, your gun in the in a boot. But yeah. so, so you know, they, they, they essentially
1: stuff. require you to have like, carry some type of lock box in your car to, to, to yeah. store your gun. Is that what we're saying?
2: Yeah, which which it makes sense. You know, I mean, you might have guns which are worth a lot of money, and they want to protect them, and that's your call. Um, but anyway, that, that was. Sort of the spaces that the police were getting involved in. So, this fight is really about trying to get hold of, well, I guess it really is about two things. One is trying to get hold of those recommendations, but also trying to explore the relationship Victoria Police actually do have with government in more detail. Hmm. Specifically, their right to claim cabinet and confidence, because as I said, they just don't have a role, uh, certainly no role in briefing uh, um, government or cabinet material.
1: Right, yes. So so explain to us, OK, so this is why it says here on the page why we're uh, taking Victoria Police uh, to VCAT. Um, explain to us what that process is and how uh, listeners can help.
2: OK. The, uh, because the police have actually given us a formal uh, refusal, that actually allows us now to go to the next step, which is to the... It's called VCAT. It's a Victorian Civil Administrative Tribunal, and right. there are similar bodies in, in the state where... You can actually go and get a, probably a judicial review of, of that decision. So we're actually putting out a call for donations to help fund a fight. Now we, we could do it ourselves, but we want to hire the right advice. We want somebody who's, yeah. uh, you know, a lawyer who's actually a, a practitioner in the field of FOI, and and we want to run this and we want to win. Obviously, we, we're not, we, I won't have a about the, the recommendation, but we're specifically interested in actually getting some decision on on the police's right to claim cabinet in confidence yep. uh, and it has implications for interstate if we win here in victoria uh we would more than like you know we would love to be able to fund a similar flight in other states um, because we know that's not just victoria that's affected by this
1: okay so neil so for all those uh, victorians and people around the country that want to help you out where do i need to where do they need to go
2: um the two main areas would be uh, i guess first is our website which yep. is at firearmscouncil.org.au dot org. dot au, and the second is our, our Facebook page. Uh, you can look up Firearms Council uh, Vic, and, and you'll find us there. Um, so basically, what we're doing, we, we've, we've set up a, 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 a funding platform. And I've got to say, this is actually attracted an awful lot of interest. Within twenty four hours of launching this, we had a you know hundred donations, um, wow. That's which great. is pouring about two hundred two thousand dollars just in the, the first uh, twenty four hours. So. Now, this is actually a really hot-button issue for shooters. Uh, I jokingly refer to it as, as as being that if you mention policy and police in the same sentence, that gets a lot of shooters really wound up, and certainly the response we've had to date um, just affirms that.
0: Yep, and what do we need to do? Is there anything else we need to do? Is um anything else you, you need from uh, you know firearms owners, just donations? Where Where are we at in regards to that?
2: I think at this stage we, we just want to fund the fight and know where we stand. Um, but I think going forward, uh, you know, I, I know you guys have been very active on, on this, this, this front before, but we need shooters not so much on this on, at this point in time, but we need them you know, to get ready to start writing to the local members of parliament about things like the NFA review, which we went through recently. Mm. Uh, in the case of, of this particular FLI fight, let, we just want to see where we stand first, and then we might have some more news for people later on. And if they're interested in following the, the case, then... I'd encourage them to uh, jump on our email list, which they can do via our website. or just follow us on Facebook.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, Neil, uh, who represents the Combined Firearms Council of Victoria. Neil, thanks for your time. I guess we'll follow up again sometime in the future and we'll uh, find out where we're at and uh, follow up and see what the results are and see what's been happening and follow up on this particular issue.
2: Yeah, no worries, guys. It'll be great.
0: Oh, that was Neil Jenkins from the Combined Firearms Council Victoria. So, I guess we'll find out what happens in the future with that. Uh, very interesting. But this is what we need to start doing. myself and Muzz, I think, have been mm. talking about that for a while. Where we're constantly getting a raw deal from the government, and we do have our organisations, including some large, that some small, that you know could band together and start you know pushing these things through a legal battle, whether it's at VCAT or it's at the local tribunals in your specific state, yep. or. If we need to, we start start spending the money and start pushing these things through a court of law and saying, "Well, no, we're not going to tolerate being shafted again." Yep. We need to start pushing this through a court of law and making our voices heard, but and see, start spending a bit of money.
1: But see, Jason Neil Jenkins is one of these guys who's, uh, you know, one of the one of these freedom fighters who's who's sick of being bullied around by government and by police, and he's active on the ground level. So yeah. I mean, all your shooters in Victoria and around the country. Uh, if you can uh spare a few dollars for the combined firearms council of victoria, uh please do so. go to their facebook page and follow the links and then uh,
0: donate Do you think so, it's time we started spending you know money on pushing these things through a court of law
1: oh look certainly where where we think it 's uh unjust unjust mm. or you know appropriate to take it to a court challenge yeah absolutely I think that that's something that we haven't we, done much at all. But I, I've not seen as far as an organisation, far as an organisation, especially with the double To be honest, at national level and state level, I don't remember ever them taking the government to court or anything like that. And uh, especially when it comes to range approvals, I mean, range approvals just ridiculous. You can get virtually anything approved, but the moment you want to get a range approved, it takes years and years and years, and it's just. It's nonsense. I mean, I think that
0: um, councils putting the handbrakes. I, I think breaks, government is you know. just
1: stonewalling us a lot of times, and it's just unfair. And I think we need to just start being a little bit more proactive and asserting our rights as citizens to continue, uh, you know, to continue our support, to continue our our culture, our passion, the things that we love to do, which is all perfectly legal. But you know, the
0: government just want to make it hard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is an interesting article here. I'm talking about, uh, as soon as we got back from hunting, Muz, mm-hmm. uh this yep. one is the Daily Telegraph. Now, weapons, this is by Shari Marks, a national political editor, the Daily Telegraph, April 17, 2017. Weapon stores asked to be vigilant after gun license were sent to the wrong addresses. Oh, yes. now, obviously, this is not you know a specifically a registry issue, but, you know...
1: Is this that uh, story that has yeah. been revealed? So this is a story yeah. that I got from Nine News Sydney. This is on the Facebook page not too long ago. Hang on,
0: hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. Hang on. This is oh, the same okay. one. Sorry. It's the same one. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, weapon stores are on high alert after mm. more than 100 gun licenses fell yeah, into the wrong the hands yeah. because the government bungled. Yeah. In a dangerous security breach, they could see unlicensed criminals buy ammunition for powerful weapons. That's ridiculous anyway. But yeah. 104 New South Wales firearms licenses were sent. Incorrect postal addresses by Service NSW. South Wales now so potentially now 104 licences out there people could have the address, potential addresses even though they're sent to the wrong people if they're found were the addresses in there of the current people oh, you know, I don't know. We, you know, we don't know yeah. so that other people could potentially have addresses it's just not enough loss. information with a story yep Um, And it says, all efforts are being made by Services New South Wales to contact the recipients of the incorrect license cards uh, for retrieval and destruction. Wow, that makes a difference, doesn't it? And the affected license holders, Firearms Registry Operations General Manager Georgina Gold said, it is requested that on such a time as all licenses that were dispatched in the wrong address have been retrieved, that you be extra vigilant in checking a person's license as to confirm their identity.
1: I mean, it's not much comfort to those 100 people that just uh, have uh, been told to a stranger now that they've. Got a firearms license, you know, because obviously they've been delivered to the wrong address with the right right person's name. I'm guessing that's what the story says.
0: Yeah, and this so. is the interesting part where it says, this is from uh, Federal Liberal Democrat Senator David Leinholm, says New South Wales government was tough on recreational sporting shooters, but it not, did not apply those same standards to their own agency. <laughs> couldn't have said it better myself. He goes, if you were a bad guy and received the licence in the mail, which wasn't yours, you could potentially be able to gain access to firearms if you found a permit. With a licence, you could buy definitely buy ammunition and gain access to a shooting range and shoot firearms on the assumption that you are a licensed person. If you're licensed, you don't have to be supervised. So... Very interesting, you know, government constantly making... This is why we talk about getting rid of registries and all this type of stuff. Again, licensing, okay. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people out there that I know too that don't even agree with what's the point of even having licensing, provided you don't have a criminal record. Every time you get a firearm, uh, you want to apply for a firearm, for an example, you would have a criminal check. And I know this is happening, Muzz. I was talking about this last time. I think it might have been previously in the last show that if something happens and you get caught for, say, an offence... Sometimes the police haven't either looked for firearms or they've had no cause to look for firearms mm. under that particular address. So what happens is, is the person may have gone to court. It might be a minor offence, but it could attract, you know, either a section ten bond, which may not aff- which may not affect your license depending on what the issue was, or if you do get a criminal record for something quite minor, you know, you don't you, 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 you your firearms aren't confiscated until you go to apply for your license. And then guess what happens? I've heard of many cases like this where mm. three years later. They've gone to reapply for their license. They said, hang on, you're not eligible for a firearms license now. <laughs> so now you've got to go and sell your yeah. firearms. And that was three years prior, but yeah. was, nothing was done at the time.
1: Look, uh, government bungles aren't anything new, Jason. And here's the beauty. And hang a beauty. On, one a sec. One.
0: We saw it with the Game Management Authority yeah. in Victoria too. 8,000 right. 8, plus licenses, details sent out to people that shouldn't have them. And guess what? The, the employees were coached. They were very sad about what had happened <laughs> and what transpired. And, but they've just sent details of potentially people's firearms and their addresses yeah. to
1: people that shouldn't have them. It's crazy, I know. So anyway, so government, bun- government bungles. It's nothing new, especially to the New South Wales Police Minister. Here we go. This is a story from ABC uh, from March, March 21st. Uh, new South Wales Police Minister fined for using phone in car. He says he didn't know it was illegal. <laughs> Gee, this is troy grant <laughs> this is troy Grant so this is the story Troy Grant said he did not know he was doing the wrong thing by holding a mobile phone whilst driving while whilst in the driver's seat i didn't know that i was doing uh, that i was uh, that what I was doing was against the law he said I was stationary and stopped using my phone just to simply take a photo as I was sitting there for a long time at a road work site he said he was fined three hundred and twenty five dollars well there you go. So, even if you're the police minister, you still uh, fall foul of the law. I mean, what a stupid law, anyway. I mean, the car stationary. It's just ridiculous. But this shows you how many ridiculous laws we've got in this state. It's just a complete police state, literally. So, yeah. Anyway, the bungles don't stop there. I mean, we've got uh, now, I'm just cycling through to the next story, Jason. Just beware, yep. bear with me. So, we've got a guy here, ex police constable Shane Kemba. This is from the Northern Daily Leader, April 11th. Shane Kimber charged as part of gun ring near Tamworth, Canada. There you go. So if you're an ex-constable, get in the gun ring. Uh, again, very disappointing that um, uh, former police officers get into all types of criminal activity. And I've got a whole heaps of stories here. So, yeah, so there's uh, 100 New South Wales gun licenses been sent to the wrong address. Now, I've got a reply here from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party on their Facebook page. And to be honest, it's quite disappointing. So, okay, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party are greatly disappointed that such a mishap like this could be possible. Why a firearms license even being sent out via post is beyond us. Service New South Wales and New South Wales Government need to explain exactly what happened and why firearms licenses are being sent via post. We will raise this directly with the Minister when Parliament resumes. Well, Look, I've got a problem with this statement, and I'm not having to bash at shooters and fishers and farmers, but yeah, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes, but I mean, what you didn't know that firearm licences are being sent out by post? I mean, everyone knows that. Yeah, like everyone knows that. I think
0: that's been happening. And, and for this what, statement, a this years?
1: statement sounds like, oh, we just found out. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. that's your job. Your yeah. job is to know these things. You're in parliament. You're getting paid taxpayer money from you know you're getting votes from people like us to know these things. I mean, why is it that you make a statement? On Facebook, that sounds like, oh, we just found out. Yeah,
0: exactly. Why is it
1: happening? I don't know. Like, you I know, think it's that's like been happening for- I'd Such like, a reactionary uh, thing. Like yeah. I mean, like,
0: geez. It's probably Why? two to three years, I think, I think since that's been happening. Mm. Because I know when you go there, they're actually sending out, especially in, this is in New South Wales, guys. I'm not sure what's happening in other states, but um, they're sending them out in the mail. You go and you know, apply for your driver's license. If it's a renewal, yeah, it comes in the mail, I think, five to seven days later. Yep. Why isn't the registry? Because obviously- yeah, you know, they're behind the times, especially with their IT system. You know, why aren't they issuing licenses straight to the person? Like, it can't be that hard. Why does the RMS have to do it? Why does the, you know, why do we have to go into an RMS agency or Services New South Wales and get the license over the counter? So, therefore, when I'm getting the license, I say, hey, you know what? I'm here to uh, get exactly. my license. Exactly, they can verify your yeah. ID. They can listen, but then make again, sure then somebody ask. would look be looking at that computer system. Now I'm applying for a firearms license and go, oh, oh he, he, there's an address here too. Because yeah. yeah, with the RMS or the, with services New South Wales, you have to give your address. I've tried to give them a PO box before. They won't accept one. They need an actual address. I so, know. And I mean that you – know. So how many people – if I walk in and go, here's my $200 for my license – Okay, great, there's my address sitting there. So potentially the person that knows my address, this is what I mean. None of this data is secure, it's just no. it's terrible.
1: But, you know, that's not Indigenous just to Australia too, Jason. Here we go, we've got another story here. 30,000 London gun owners hit by Met Police data breach. <laughs> I've got this one in front of me. Oh, yeah, on. Seems yep. registry prob- problems are worldwide. So this is from the register.co.uk, so, I mean, even in England. They're stuffing things up and putting your safety at risk. Read
0: this part. This is the best part of that. London gun owners are asking questions of Metropolitan Police after the force seemingly handed the addresses of 30,000 firearm and shotgun owners to a direct mail marketing agency (laughs) for a commercial (laughs) firm's advertising campaign. It's not funny, but holy hell. (laughs) Direct mail marketing agency for commercial firm's advertising campaign. Trust
1: us. We'll handle your information. It's safe.
0: Yeah, so then it says the first of any of the affected people knew about the bundles was when, was when the leaflet, pictured below, landed on the doormat in Tuesday's post.
1: Doesn't that make you just feel so warm and fuzzy inside when the police commissioner gets up there and says, oh, our information is safe, our data is secure. Yeah. And, oh, and then sorry I'm, about
0: that. I'm looking at this leaflet, <laughs> and then they've got the hide to say it's, it's titled Protect Your Firearms and Shotguns with Smart Water. No. The leaflet, which features Met Police logos, advised firearms and shotgun certificate holders to buy firearms protection pack at a reduced price of eight ninety five. English pounds. <laughs> they're telling me how to protect my firearm. Oh, but hang on. You can't if, make up this yeah, stuff. Yeah, but if I'm a direct marketing agency, hey, here's thirty thousand licenses and addresses. Good luck and have a nice day. Yeah. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? It really is unbelievable. You know, but
1: the the unbelievable part too is there's no accountability for them,
0: you know. Yeah, oh no, no, hang like, on, no, hang on. There is. They've been counseled. <laughs> counseled. They've been counselled. That would be
1: great, eh? You know, if they find some yes. loose bullets in your car, if you just get a bit of counseling, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs>
0: hang on. You know, I just sent all my details at my job to people that shouldn't have them. Oh, I'm just yeah. going to counsel just, you. No problem. We'll, we'll
1: just counsel you. Yeah,
2: no problem whatsoever. It's
1: unbelievable, mate. The level of, you know, unaccountability by government departments and officials is just through the roof. So, anyway, yep. it's happening all over the world. But it's another reason why me and Jason keep banging on about. The registry, the registry has got to go. I mean, all the pro gun parties in Australia—it's got to be their number one, number one issue that we need to tackle. The registry has to go. It compromises your data, your information. The only person that should know where your firearms are is you. That's it. No one else.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, down in Victoria, there's been looks like the duck shooters have been having a good time shooting quail and. Uh Ducks down in Victoria, yeah. so we've been seeing a lot of posts on Facebook. So it's been wanted... a pretty
1: good season. And, you know, Jason, all those uh, nut job uh, protesters yep, yep. have been, uh, I, I guess, uh, some people are, you know, uh, suggesting that they've been burying ducks and digging them up and yep, su- yep. saying that it's, uh, you know, hunters that are burying these dead ducks and they've yep. been parading dead ducks and putting them on, on the sidewalk and showing people. At, par- look, at these, the Parliament, was it? At the Parliament At the, the Parliament or... or whatever it is yep. and uh, just acting like complete and total knobs. Uh, making fools out of themselves, protesting, and look—it's just a disgrace. Happens all the time, and uh, God bless you, Victorians, for putting up with all that crap. Hey, <laughs> <I know. laughs> It's just
0: unbelievable. I know it's unbelievable. Um, all right, let's go. This is—we've been talking about this for a while, and finally, we just—that's why we waited to record a straight shooting podcast because obviously, over the Easter period, you know, and before we're going hunting. Uh, The Western Australian election, Muzz. Yep. Uh, Some very interesting results coming out of the election. Now, obviously, at the currently, or before the election, I should say, uh, we only had one, or actually two, I should say, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party uh, members in Parliament in the Upper House. Uh, One was Rick Mazza, and the other was uh, who defected from the Liberal Party, which was uh, Nigel Hallett, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. So we had basically two in Parliament. Now... I want to talk about some of the votes, Muzz. Yep. Now, obviously, Labor came to power, as you guys know. The um, you know, Liberal yep. Party was very much on the nose. Now, what do you think about the... Colin Barnett voted out. Yep. What mm. do you think about the preference deal between One Nation and Liberal? Do you think that did One Nation any favours or did them a disservice?
1: I think it did both parties a disservice because I think the people probably who wanted to vote Liberal um, who were pretty upset with the deal and One Nation members who were pretty upset with One Nation that they would have, make a deal with the Liberals. So there's a bit of bad blood there, but I think it definitely contributed to both parties not getting their maximum potential. But the good news out of that is, Jason, yep. is uh, looking at by the results that I have on my hey, phone you know, I'm
0: going to go through. I've got them here, actually. So these are the updated okay, ones. Okay, but I'm let's gonna... not read out the
1: votes. Let's just yep. read out the members. So we've got – okay, so Liberal Democrats got one up. All right, so we've got a state – a state member in uh, WA, which is fantastic.
0: In the up-house. Let me just register that yep. twenty three thousand eight, roughly twenty three eight hundred votes. Yep. Yep.
1: Shooters, fishers, and farmers party retained uh, Rick Mazza.
0: Yep, but lost, but lost Nigel Hallett. So, yep. so one one for SFP. Yeah, they got thirty one thousand nine hundred votes, roughly.
1: Yep. Now, and also Pauline Hanson's One Nation got three up, Jason. Yep. Got three and a hundred and ten thousand, roughly four hundred votes. That's right. So now. I want to get to the subject here. So this was a very successful election. A lot of people say, oh, Pauline Hanson underperformed. She's done this, that, whatever. Look, she done a really she done well, excellent she, job. She,
0: she outvoted the nationals. Yeah, by almost double. 50, yeah. uh, nationals party vote here. They had uh, four seats originally before they, the election, and now they lost one. So uh, they went from five to, to four. Now, the importance of this
1: election, Jason, and just for the listeners, if you can just uh, concentrate on some of these points that me and Jason made early in a lot of earlier shows, and a lot of people are calling about this and writing emails that if we've got too many program, yeah, too many program parties, there's a, there's too much vote splitting going on, and I've tackled this issue of vote splitting before, and I'm telling you that it's not true, and this election proves it now. I'll give you an example. So you've got a lot of people that vote for Pauline Hanson. Now Pauline Hanson, okay, she's not as pro-gun as Liberal Democrats, but I'm guessing that the Pauline Hanson Party will definitely block any moves to try and restrict um, restrict. And, our they've, and they've
0: already done that sometimes federally as well, yeah. uh, in Parliament as well. They've voted with exactly. David Lionhelm's bill, I think it was, to restrict the seven-shot adler. They voted against that, or to, oh, sorry, they voted for that to drop. The importation ban, which obviously correct, yeah.
1: and also if, for those of you that heard that excellent interview with uh, Jason and Malcolm Roberts from One Nation, uh, you can pretty much see that um, one nation has that ethos of uh, not to reducing our liberties any more than uh, what 's necessary I guess um you know they 're certainly not in not in the mood of going voting for any more gun restrictions so pauline hanson 's one Nation got. Three members up. Okay, Shooters and Fishers, Rick Mazza, excellent. I'm glad he stayed there, retained his seat, and Liberal Democrats. Now, that is a total of five pro-gun bums on seats. Okay, in the Western Australian Parliament. That's five. So this is my point when it comes to splitting the vote. There is no way one single pro-gun party could have achieved five representatives. There's no way. Not in WA. Okay, so it's just impossible. But here, because we've got a lot of a lot of different parties with different views, different agendas, uh, different political, uh, you know, points.
0: Yeah. Policies, uh, policies, platforms. Policies,
1: platforms. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, different policies and platforms because we've got a lot of different ones. But the common thing about them is they all, they're all they all pro-gun. So that's what I said before is the more pro-gun parties you've got, the more people that support, I should say, pro-gun policies, the better. So it's not about vote splitting, like, for example... Well, there's, um, there's
0: no way, I mean, even just being uh, factual, yeah. Liberal Democrats, say, got eight hundred. there's no way they would have got, what, with, say, Pauline Hanson 100,000 one, votes? Yeah, 110,000, no. SFP, 31,000, it's 140. There's no way in a, in a, in a pig's tush that you know, Liberal Democrats would have got 150,000 votes. Exactly. At least at this or, stage. Or the, or the SFP. Or the SFP, for an example. Yeah. They had 31,000, so add up 110 and 23, similar amount anyway... There's no way SFP would have got you know 140,000 yeah. votes.
1: So people can say, okay, Pauline Hansen and Liberal Democrats, SFP, they all might be splitting the shooter vote, but they're not splitting the shooter vote. They're increasing the shooter vote. That's the whole point. They're increasing the shooter vote because they're all, uh, I guess, politically aligned when it comes to pro-gun yeah, policies. Yeah,
0: but in saying the vote splitting, this is the interesting part. The only ones that say the vote splitting is the one that want to get more members up for their own party. That's <laughs> of course. The, that's, the, that, that's why they call it vote splitting because they want more members you know, in Parliament for their own brand. Exactly, you
1: know? exactly. But in terms of what's best for shooters, I guess what's best for shooters is the most amount of representation. Which is five. Which Exactly, which we've got five representatives in WA. So that's what's best for shooters. The more people that you can get to represent you, the better. So, I mean, I guess, you know, it, they, it's they, a numbers game. In Parliament, yeah. it's a numbers game. If you've got the numbers, if you've got the balance of power, I guess you have more power, you have more clout. Yeah. So that's what's important. So I'm glad that Pauline Hanson uh, done really well. I'm glad that SFP uh, went well as well. I mean, not, not as good as they could have, but they still retained Rick Mazza, which is important. I'm glad that Liberal Democrats got I wonder got if one that
0: up. Nigel had, I mean, I know he defected from the Liberal Party. Now, I, know, I just looked up in a few details on him before. He seems about 64 years old. So I don't yeah. know if he was going to retire mm. or he was really banking on getting re-elected. I'd, I'd like to find out that information because I guess if he was banking on getting re-elected, I'm sure he's probably not happy you know, at this uh, stage of the race. So it would be interesting to find out, you know, what he's going to do now. Is he going to continue to, to run for the SFP mm. or whatever? And as I said, we said this before, we're just looking at the numbers. Myself and Mario are not particularly interested in any one particular party. No. Or we're interested in what's, what is best Results. for shooter's rights. And right Results, now we've got mate. 110, yeah. 60, say that's um, uh, 100, uh, Sorry, uh, 110 and 30. So we've got 140, uh, 150, 160. So almost 170,000 mm. votes. Yeah. For Those three parties with, uh, with all pro gun votes, yeah, with now five representatives in parliament. There's yeah. no way any of the two minor parties, such as, well, would you, I say Pauline Hansen is still technically a yeah. you know minor party as well, but I mean, the minor parties aren't getting a large influx of votes around that plus hundred thousand. Mm. I mean, SFP at 31,000 and the Liberal Democrats at say almost 24,000, Yep, they're not going to get five people in parliament. Currently, we'd only have two, uh, yeah, and, and I'm looking at the numbers now too. Now, I don't know how it's going to fall, but we'll find out by the next show. The amount of numbers in the crossbenches, we may have one up. The crossbench may have one person. Well, extra I think person.
1: Pauline may get the balance of power. Yeah, we've got to find out Which is, which next is show. interesting. But the, look, guys, it's a fantastic result, I think. I mean, unfortunately, Labor's in power, but what can you do? Uh, at least Pauline Hanson will be there. Uh, with her party, there'll be uh Liberal Democrats representative. What's the Liberal Democrats guy, uh Jason? If you if you got the information there? Yeah, I do. Name. I can't remember. I top 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 of my tongue, but I can't remember.
0: Yep, his name is Aaron Stonehouse, so Okay. Stone, stoner. stone, no stone house. Stone house, okay.
1: Not I know, but you know, yeah. you know the LDP and their um, marijuana policy. Yeah, true.
0: It's Funny. I man. just now I just picked up on your pun. <laughs> there, nice work, nice work. I did so that.
1: anyway. That's good. So we've got one LDP, uh, one SFP, and also three Pauline Hanson in WA. Fantastic results for shooters, I think. But now, Jason. Okay, now I've been seeing a lot of stuff from uh, this this. Um, Facebook page called LaFo, so law abiding firearm owners incorporated. Right. And yep. many of you guys have seen it. So and this is one of the alerts they've put up, which is um now the twenty seventeen uh NFA proposals, right? This is going to be a really tough year, guys, I'll tell you right now, because um we're gonna have to tackle new restrictions that are trying that the government's gonna try and impose on us for the NFA uh proposals for twenty seventeen. And one of those things, okay is ammunition rationing. Okay, so here we go. The 2017 uh, proposes to limit how much ammunition can uh, you can buy each year. Ammo purchases tracking against your license will be required to limit your daily ammo intake. Can you believe this? Unbelievable. So alert, buy your ammo now. <laughs> ammunition rationing is coming. Okay, so item, this item 54, National Firearms Agreement, jurisdiction will impose limits on the quantity of ammunition that may be purchased in a given period. So, look, this is um, quite disturbing. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a level of scrutiny that's just so unnecessary. But the government want to impose this. Now, this is one of the other nasty bag of tricks that's going to come along with a whole bunch of NFA, 2017 NFA proposals. So, guys, and I think this is mainly referring to, um, I think, New South Wales, but Listen, we need to fight this, eh, Jason? And uh, we've got to try and get all you guys. Just remember, if the fight's never over. You've got to at least write a couple of letters a year to your local member. Go see your local member of uh, parliament, federal uh, of of state parliament, sorry, and uh, also write letters to your state. Um, uh, you know, your state members, your your premiers. Write letters, make sure you let them know that you don't want any negative changes that's going to affect law abiding shooters for the NFA. In fact, you want laws relaxed. So it's important that you guys make sure your voices are heard. Now, I know some people say that, okay, writing letters is pointless, but look, I don't believe so. I believe if there's enough voices out there, uh, politicians will eventually have no choice but to listen. So that's what, you know, I, I do firmly believe that. And also, Write to your, uh, or meet with uh, your people at your local ranges. Spread the word. Uh, tell your tell your shooting clubs, the president of your shooting club. Also, um, your shooting organization, your hunting organization. Spread the word. There's plenty of us out there. You know, there's a million gun owners, a million people with firearms in Australia. There's plenty of us that could just pitch in just a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. You don't have to you know, give up your daily job to do it. You just pitch in a little bit. Um, every now and then to make a difference. So that's very important, guys. Um, Jason, so what do you think of these 2017 uh, NFA proposals?
0: To be honest, obviously, we need to do everything we can to fight it. Yeah. Um, write letters, visit with your local members, tell them it's not good enough. If you, you know, continue to attack law-abiding firearms owners, we're going to you know, get you out of politics, we're going to run against you, we're going to do whatever we can Tell, uh, tell them to, you vote for
1: one, you'll vote for one, one nation. One That'll scare eight. them. That always scares people. Scares I'm voting for up. one
0: nation. That scares you. But interesting. Speaking about that. Oh, with by the, the way,
1: I'm not telling you how to vote. Just yeah. it's it's a, it's a good tactic.
0: So that's going to be very interesting. What's going now? This now vote. That's where vote splitting again. Because I want to have a conversation yeah. here. And it's going to be very interesting because let's say in Queensland, obviously I'm not sure whether the Liberal Democrats and or Shooters and Fishers Party, Queensland, will get registered uh, in time for the next election, whether they'll get enough people. Now, with no upper house in Queensland... Mm. It's a different Queensland, kettle of fish up there. It's a different kettle of fish. Now... Let's say... Now, this, this, this is just speaking purely factual mm. for the LDP and the SFP. Now, I've had this discussion with a lot of people. Now, because there's no upper house, let's be honest, it is going to be difficult for the LDP and the Shooters and Fishers Party unless they get quite a large amount of votes mm. to be elected into parliament. Now, that, that's not having a gulp those two parties by any stretch of the imagination. That's just the facts of the reality that we're dealing with. Now, the only party in mm. Queensland... Mm. That's going to have a chance to get those lower house seats. Obviously, is going to be one nation. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. that's just the truth. So, what do we do in that situation? Do we send votes to shooters, fishers, and the liberal, or, and all the liberal democrats, mm. knowing the potential that those votes? Not saying that, you, know, you don't vote for them. That's not what I'm saying. But mm. uh, the facts are, unless they get a large amount of votes, they're not going to be elected. That's just the reality of the yeah. situation. Now, those votes could, could those votes be better off going to one nation? It's an interesting dilemma, isn't
1: it? Um, Only because of their
0: voting system and having no upper house. That's just been the reality. I know they want to be elected, and then obviously they do have to get the support to be elected. I totally 100% get that. But this could be the difference of, say, One Nation getting, let's say, they're estimating up to 25 seats. I think Mm. that's way too ambitious. But let's say it was between... Probably 15 or let's say five to ten even, just for an example. Yeah. But what is if we had more shooting vote that would vote for the two other parties? Voting for One Nation, we could get another one, maybe two up. You just don't yeah. know. Well, this is a bit of a conundrum, I guess, you know, shooters in Queensland will yeah. face coming up towards the election. Now, by any stretch, it doesn't mean don't vote for those two parties. I'm just saying we, it depends on whether you're a shooter, whether you're a swinging voter.
1: Yeah, now bear in mind too, like, I mean, we're not telling you how to vote. We're just talking... Theoretically here, okay? So what, what would be the best outcomes for shooters? What, of course, getting would, as many yeah.
0: people you can into parliament's the best, vote, best outcome exactly.
1: for Exactly. So, like, I mean, me personally, when it comes to firearms policy, I think LDP have got the best firearms policy, right? So, okay, but if I'm a Queenslander, do I vote for LDP uh, knowing full well that, um, you know, my vote could be pretty much wasted because the person I'm voting for will probably have no chance of getting a seat? Mm. Or do I vote for One Nation knowing that my vote... Could be the difference between getting fifteen members in parliament or sixteen or seventeen members in parliament and make that you know a little bit of a difference um, in That's terms a of having very a, big conundrum it's for a it 's a, a, a bit of a dilemma isn 't it so mm. it 's something that the queensland uh, gun owners out there will have to think uh, long and hard about and talk to the local um, local one nation local ldp local SFP and a lot members. of members
0: read the the one Nation policy especially in queensland By I think it's uh Steve Dixon put it yep. up on his pane, that the the queensland so this is the
1: this is the uh, refined policy. So yeah. this is not the old one. So they've updated and some parts their of it were policy.
0: fantastic. Yep. Some parts of it were poor. Saying you know they supported part of the NFA. Yep. Um, I guess in principle, but you know again. So
1: so for those of you who have read the updated uh, policy for uh, One Nation in terms of firearm laws. Look, me in a nutshell. Look, it's disappointing. Okay, it's better than the previous one. But it just doesn't go far enough, uh, to be honest. So there's definitely room for improvement. But, but you, know, I guess but the you only... know
0: they're not going to vote against policy yeah. in regards to guns. And, and, and I think what we need to discuss here... The, the... I guess that's
1: what I was getting to, Jason. That's the silver lining. and At least you know that um, they'll, they'll be firm on protecting what we have. Uh, so,
0: okay. But don't forget Queensland. This is the mm. major issue we're going to come up with. Don't forget the National Firearms Agreement is nothing more than an agreement. Now, Queensland yeah. is going to be the state that if, if Anastasia Palaszczuk is probably not going to be re-elected. Mm. Now, they've already come out, if you saw their Facebook page, saying, you know, don't jeopardise Queensland's safety, you know, basically vote yeah. to end the yeah. Qu- Queensland shot- are
1: running on a full anti-gun platform. Yeah, yes, These yeah. seven-shot... Oh, the, the Labor, Labor, should say, yeah, Labor, Labor, Queensland, yeah. They've
0: already put a big thing out saying, you know, uh, don't jeopardise Queensland's safety. Yeah. But what we don't realise is that if one nation get as, as many seats in, the potential for that agreement that they had at COAG Mm. is not going to go through in Queensland. All we need is just one state to break away from the NFA and pretty much the NFA would be game
1: over. Well, I don't know about that yet. I can tell you right now, they're going to fight too for now to keep this uh, nonsensical legislation. But if, they,
0: but if they have ten to t- uh, 6 to 10 to 15 seats, well, they, they're not going to have an opportunity. If they but put see, it through, this, they're not going to get it through. This is where,
1: but this is where, Jason, um, a little bit of lack of knowledge on our part politically, right? So, for example, if one state decides to break away from the NFA, that doesn't, does that instantly mean that all the other states are breaking away? I don't think so. Mm. I don't think that means because each state can, you know, but, make, but it's the can, make, can make their own firearm laws. So it's the beginning it, of the end. Well, it could be, but you know, if New South Wales say for example, say for example, um, Gladys Berejiklian will say, no, 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 we we, we want to stick with the NFA and you know, with NFA is mm. great, blah yeah. blah blah. You know, then you know, in New, Queensland could be on its own. But I mean, it's good, but it's it's good that it's on its own. It's broken away from that legislation. But what's also interesting, Jason, is um, uh, Robbie Catter. So the Catter boys will definitely get some seats. So that's 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 interesting. So that's,
0: that, We forgot to mention uh, that's,
1: Catter's Australia Party. That's right. Catter's, so Australia, Catter's Party. Australia Party. So, you know, sorry, guys. Sorry from all the
0: – yeah, sorry the about Catter, the yeah, – We left you out. We left you, We didn't mean to. We just <laughs> went off on a tangent there. Yeah,
1: that's right. But what's important is um, Shane Knuth and uh, Robbie Catter, um, they are, they're going to be key players, I believe. In this upcoming Queensland election. So, are
0: they really? If one nation well, have a large I'll amount tell you, of seats. I'll why tell you, why are you they how, gabbers?
1: Jason. I'll tell you how. Because One Nation could be one or two seats short of uh, having the balance of power. And guess where there's one or two seats? Two seats mm. could come from. Depends it could come from, the could come from the Cater Party. could come from the Cater Party. So, the Cater Party may very well be a positive influence on One Nation in terms of gun policy. So, that's what we can hope for, but I guess. But what
0: we know is, is that several states have already tried to move to reclassify the seven-shot Adler to a Category D firearm. If liberal the Liberals get in in Queensland and your One Nation hold the balance of power, you can kiss that goodbye. Or we're we hoping we're going to kiss well, that goodbye. Well, we're
1: hoping it won't happen, the reclassification, you mean. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah,
0: Because that way, if Queensland don't go with it as well, that could send a shockwave to other states and it gets abandoned. That's what we need. We just need one state as well just to yeah. to move away, to, yeah. mo- to move away from that. Yeah. If we can do that then we 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 start to get to a point where at the moment all states are involved in the NFA if one drops out yeah that's a that's a huge thing man i think that's a really huge thing so
1: yeah we um i mean we we're, we're relying a lot of you on you queenslanders you queenslanders who are listening to this show you need to really Really hit the ground running with this election. You need to try and get the word out. Try and get as many pro gun people into parliament as you possibly can, and also well, what's, what's the, in, and so like I said, yeah. what's
0: the best way to do that? You know, which this is this is the it's a very dilemma about what you would do in Queensland, yeah. being there's no upper house. So it's again it's different from other states, guys, where you know there's obviously you know a preferencing system as well, um, and you know there's obviously ways to get other people elected into the upper house. You know, in New South Wales, you know, Victoria, mm. uh, New south wales etc etc look i would recommend
1: this is just my approach okay it's my approach i'm not telling you who to vote for i would recommend okay find out who's who's uh, up for election in your local area okay find out who it is and then do some research see if it's going to see what the mood is out there see if it's going to be a pretty tough race between one or the other candidate and if you think that it's going to be a tough race say for example between an sfp guy and a, a labor guy then you know do your very best to get the sfp guy over the line That's i mean right. go around your local area hand out pamphlets and so on but if it's going to be a close race for example between one nation or and the liberal guy well then do your best to get one nation up so this is what i mean like i think strategically we have to play a much bigger game we've got to try and get as many pro gun representatives into parliament as we possibly can so just to increase our chances to break away from this nonsensical legislation that's been hamstrung hamstringing um, our industry our you know our passion our sport uh, our recreation for a good part
0: of 20 years. Well, yeah, you know, Queensland they've got a lot to think about. I presume, you know, one nation will be running quite a number of candidates. Yeah. Uh, across queensland so that's something for you guys to talk about again i've had this discussion you know with several different people and it's it's you know it's up to you guys i guess who you want to vote for and you know, what policies suit you some people like you know sfp ldp one nation some don't like those particular parties it's really up to you guys what you decide to do yep all right we've got chris howard on the line too guys before we finish off from uh, lafo now a lot of you guys saw on uh Uh, Facebook, uh, a a post by LAFO uh, about uh, some billboards they're putting up in the uh, northern regions of Queensland. Now, we've got Chris Howard on the line from LAFO. Chris, mate, thanks for joining me. Mate, tell us about these billboards. Tell us about LAFO first and what the plan is for the billboards because for people that haven't or aren't on Facebook that listen to the show or even the ones that are on Facebook, you saw the the, um, advertisement that says Labor is anti-gun, very in your face, very good in my opinion uh chris mate tell us about that
3: okay well thanks very much for having me on the show we 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 formed in 2011 uh, in response to some really bad legislation that was going to be going through the queensland parliament way back then and uh it's sort of um we sort of sat stagnant for a little while and because uh, there wasn't really too much going on up here in queensland with regards to legislation um because we were you know, quite successful against uh, defeating a bill that was going to go through, and uh, but now that the uh, the 2017 NFA has come to view and come to light, uh, it was time to uh, to get very very active again, and uh, and with some help with the you know some some people in the shooting community, we were able to put together a a really good campaign, and we honestly thought that billboards was Probably the most in your face, uh, you know. The current governments, all, all around the country, are not paying attention to gun owners. So we're going to, have to actively lobby against anybody who is not going is not going to help the gun owners who is going to actually try and take a little bit more and chip a little bit more of the way of the rights of the Australian gun owners. So, mm. um, so here in Queensland, we think that uh, uh, the northern seats are some of the most vulnerable. So. Um, people think that this is just an attack against Labor. It's not an attack against Labor. It's an attack against uh, any political party who is not going to do the right thing by gun owners. So... Uh, yeah, I, saw, I, saw a,
0: Chris, I saw a few people like said, well there was a lot of people a lot, there was was a lot of support as well but there was a few people on there saying oh you know uh, poor message thinking you know that Labor somehow is you know pro-gun and it's interesting because someone I saw post well, on there L- saying Liberals program, yeah, no but I'm saying saying that Labor yeah. person that was sitting in that seat oh, where right, the billboard yeah. is going to go yeah. was you know pro-hunting in national parks and so I'm like well what does that Labor person actually achieve for shooters have they you know crossed the floor on any of these particular issues have they actually you know put a bill on the table for you know hunting in state forests, hunting on crown land in queensland Mm. and i guess my answer is no 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 so what's this actually person that 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 the billboard might be in their particular seat what's that labor person actually done for shooters in the grand scheme of which is actually a big fat zero so i'm not sure where shooters you know sometimes think these labor people are actually doing the right thing for shooters chris you know as well
3: yeah well there's you you find often you know you get paid lip service. You go and you will sit and have a talk to some of these people, some of these politicians, sitting MPs and, and whatnot, and they say, "Oh yeah, we're you know we support um, private firearm firearms and shit. But you know, when the, when it comes to the crunch, they just toe the party line. Yeah, they're, they're not in it. They're not in it to represent us. They're in it for themselves. And the only thing that they respond to is votes. So and the only only way we can change uh, what goes on. Is uh, to make sure that people vote against them, and they're going to, you know, they're going to pay the price heavily politically if they don't support, um, you know, the, our rights as governments.
0: Yep. So for people that didn't see the sign, tell us, tell us about the uh, billboard, where it's going to be located, what it's going to be, what it's going to say, and uh, what the plan is for that particular billboard.
3: Okay. Well, the probably the most in your face one is on in Garba and Townsville. And it's it's a massive digital uh, billboard that they've got there. Basically, it says it plain and simple Labor is anti-gun. Now, for those that don't know, there's uh, three uh, marginal seats up there, all held by Labor at the moment. And um, we just did some polling recently, and we know that um, gun owners up there are very sympathetic um, to um, well, to getting rid of these uh, these people that don't support us. And even those people that don't actually own guns, but know people that do own guns, have indicated that they are going to make this an election issue. Wow. So that they're going to actively vote against people that won't, don't support gun rights.
0: Nice. And so how long is the billboard up now? When is it going up or is it already
3: up? No, it's it's been up now for – it would have to be – I'm pretty sure it's been up for about seven weeks now.
0: Nice. Any Um, any reaction from anyone, any positive, negative, have you heard anything?
3: Well, we get a lot of traffic on our website and a lot of people saying, you know, how can we help, you know? And I say say to people, probably the best thing that you can do to help is get in touch with some of the political parties that are actually pro-gun and say, hey, look, I live here. And I want to be able to help out on election day, um, you know, and and offer their services to hand out how to vote cards. Yeah. Uh, not only that, just make yourself aware of which political parties have got good firearms policies. And there are three three main ones up here, or four main ones up here in Queensland, that actually do have really good uh, firearms policies. Qatar, One Nation... They're two of two of the better ones um, shooters fishers and farmers have a, a very good firearms policy and, uh, and the Liberal Democrats uh, which is my personal favorite because um, basically they support firearms for self-defense and that's yeah. probably in my my opinion probably one of the uh, one of the things that I would I'd like to see come back in Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree 100%, Chris. I mean, the self-defence issue is, I think, number one, really, because the self-defence issue will bring, I think, a lot more people towards firearm ownership because there's a lot of people out there that don't really care for hunting or the great outdoors or anything like that, but, hey, they care about their family and protecting their family. And uh, I think that um, that is a, a, a major draw card uh, for for other demographics to uh, be drawn to firearm ownership that I think, to be honest, um, uh, parties like cata and uh, um, Pauline Hanson's One Nation haven't really exploited.
3: Yeah, there's, um, Pauline Hanson's One Nation, uh, back in the early days, they actually had a firearms policy that actually stated clearly on their website yeah. that they support firearms for self-defence. They have now um, got a brand new policy out. And it doesn't necessarily state firearms for self defense as a part of their policy, mm. however I think that um I think that it shall and looking on as far as i'm as far as I know the um Catter's australian party lads they're they're pretty big on self defense and pretty much what happens um within your boundary of your property is your business unless um you know Whoever's there is causing you know, gonna cause yeah. harm to somebody. And so when you've got somebody that's going to cause harm to somebody, you know, I'm I'm pretty damn sure that uh, the cat is Australian Party boys, you know, they don't mind you killing a snake that comes into your property, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind if you killed a home invader if they come onto your property either, you know. It's it's common sense stuff. And we don't see that in any legislation anymore. Mm. And and the community suffers because of it.
1: Yeah, mate, look, just let us know, um, okay, for all the Queenslanders up there uh, that want to give you guys a hand and uh, contribute in some way, uh, what's the best way for them to do that?
3: Well, at the moment, visit lafo.com.au, so lafo.com.au. Um, we are going to be putting some details up there uh, with regards to um, you know donating a little bit of coin if people want to uh, want to lend a hand financially. Not everybody can um, get actively involved in in stuff. Uh, people lead very busy lives, and you know yep. my suggestion about how to vote and whatnot earlier. Um, it may not suit everybody, but you know running a billboard advertising campaign is extremely expensive, as you can imagine. Yep. So, and uh, and the more money we have, the more effective we can be. So, see, in addition to the billboards, we've also been running half-page newspaper ads. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't know that we've been doing that. And mm. um, we've been trying to spread the word on social media and whatnot. So the more of those that we can take out in um, more and more of these marginal seats so that we can actually affect change and, and send really send a message, drive it home to um, politicians that... Yeah, you know, we're not going to take their
1: rubbish anymore. Yeah, look, mate, it's very interesting, eh? Because here you are—you're a very little-known organisation in Queensland, and you really are kicking goals. You're putting up, uh, you know, signs. You're 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 making, you're making. You're taking up uh, newspaper advertisement. And, mate, I just think that's so impressive. And it's a big difference uh, between a little organization that's just uh, formed by a bunch of people with a little bit of money compared to, for example, the SSAA, who's a massive organization that doesn't have virtually uh, almost virtually zero presence on these billboards and newspapers.
0: Like, I mean, one sec, I'm just looking here, too, uh, Chris and Mars, here from from Grant on the um, look at the Facebook page now. He goes, Not great. A majority of people are not firearms owners. They'd probably see this as a positive vote. Did Labor, L A B O U R, sponsor this advertisement? Like, it's just, <laughs> the people not getting it. This is the thing. They want, you know, positive in your face representation. And then when you give it to them, they blame organizations like, you know, S S A A A, etc and other organizations for not, not, you know, not pulling out the punches and doing the hard yarns. And when someone does, there's, there's more complaints. You can't win, can you?
3: Well, we did the polling, Jason, and we know that over 80% of the electorate in those three marginal electorates up there support private firearms ownership. Yeah. Yeah. So... So they yeah, get it. They get th- the sign. These, those, those, they're just baseless claims, you know. They're, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, there's no point in trying to make something out of something that isn't, you know. Um, yeah.
0: Matt, have you heard anything from Labor or anything or any of the, the major parties in regards to this? No calls to the office saying, hey, what's going on with this?
3: <laughs> well... Pretty much what we have been doing is we have been getting in touch with the political parties and, uh, and I know that there's going to be some talks happening soon. Um, and, you know, obviously it's in their best interest to meet with us and listen to us and listen to what we have to say. And But, uh, you know, the more and more we keep on heading down the same path, the more and more we're going to actively lobby against them.
1: So, uh, Chris, uh, look... For all the listeners out there, so we've got www.lafo.com.au. If you want to see more action from uh, this group, uh, Chris is uh, highly active uh, politically. Uh, we know he's um, he, he understands the issues up in Queensland, and uh, he's been on on the front foot, really on, on hit the ground running straight away. They don't muck around; these guys they they're, they're into action. So if you want to help them out. Uh, go to au. donate some money, if you, even if you've got $10, $20, whatever. Uh, the guys will really appreciate it and will help them uh, to continue this good work, uh, this level of activism. And, uh, I mean, Chris has been um, – I know, Chris, you've been to the United States. You've met Wayne LaPierre. You've been to the NRA convention. Uh, Jason's done an interview with you. And, you know, you, you've, you're highly active in the firearms world. So, mate, well done. Keep up the good work. And I hope a lot of the Queenslanders get behind you.
3: Thank you, gentlemen. It's an absolute pleasure to, uh, to come on your show, and, and thanks very much for supporting us and help raise the awareness.
0: All right, guys, you just heard uh, from Chris uh, Howard from Lafo.com.au, and guess what? It's that time again.
2: All
0: right, guys, so we, we wanted to talk about, we're just talking to Chris, and it's, um, I can't believe some of the negative comments. And, again, a lot of them are positive, but we thought we'd read out you know a couple of the the apathetic shooter ones. This is from Andrew. He says, "Yes, but Howard designed it." The dickhead who posted that are trying to politicise shooting, which is a really dumb idea. <laughs> does, he, does he think firearms aren't already politicised? Uh, what do you think, mate? Oh
1: man, people don't like politics, but pol- if you own guns, politics is after you, mate. So yep. it's not—it's something you can't avoid. So it's a really yeah. dumb comment. And, anyway. un-
0: and unfortunately, talking about this, this is because like, I know. This guy's a regular listener to my show, and it's a shame to see him read this. Uh, this, He he posted, now this is from Brooks, he goes, you should not target candidates that were actually fighting for hunters. And he posted a uh, a Townsville Bulletin pest management policy. Obviously the person in that particular area uh, was supporting access, you know, for recreational uh, bow hunters. So I don't... This is the thing. Those particular yeah. parties, like what, what have they done in that area? What what achievements have that Labor person in that area done for shooters over the last, say, three, two, uh, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years? But this is the thing.
1: This is the thing too. Like, I mean, you got the two majors, right? Okay, and then you can have a couple of pro gun people within the two major parties. I mean, what have they achieved? Yeah. What are the, What are these people? Are these people in the cabinet room? To, you know, saying, "Well, you know, we yeah. need we need to increase," uh, no. you know. Access to lands. We need to, yeah. you know, abolish some of these stupid laws. Are they really doing anything? That, don't get me wrong. I'm not. A, I'm obviously, the more program people within the two majors, the better. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what do these people really achieve? They achieve absolutely nothing. Lip service, like Chris it's, said. It's lip, service. it's lip service. So you yeah. know, we've got to start. Did getting, they
0: get Public Land Hunting Institute? Did, well, they, did they hold well, a? We've got to start getting inqu- tough. We've got inquiry? to start
1: getting tough on these people and uh, start. You know, voting, replacing them, replacing them completely. That's what needs to happen.
0: Yeah. Now, Warren, he goes, good intentions, poor execution. So, I was quite interested. And then Brooks again, he goes, Libs bend the guns. Uh, National helped drafted it. What's the point of this sign? Just gets dumb gun owners to think Libs are better. Well... I mean, oh, I don't man. think gun owners would think the Libs are definitely better if they remember well, 1996. I think, gets people, I
1: think it gets people not to vote Labor because Labor got anti-gun platform. I mean, that's what yeah. it comes down to.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. They're just as bad as each other. But then again, also, too, if we do look at it uh, as well, if we look at history mm. and we look at the constant attack on gun owners, yes, Labor's bad, but I would yeah. definitely say Liberal is worse. Now,
1: I can tell you something, Jason. I haven't uh, got many apathetic shooters myself, and this is important trend because – I've been seeing less and less. Maybe they've
0: been listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast <laughs> on social media. <laughs> I've, been, I've been seeing
1: less and less apathetic shooters on social media. So, guys, if you've got any real crackers, real beauties that you want to send us in, uh, please send them in. If you've seen some of the, some of the dumbest comments out there on uh, pro gun sites or even anti gun sites, just send them send them in to um, the Australian com Yeah.
0: and we thought we'd finish off because we decided you know to make sure the apathetic shooter segment. It's not just full of total apathy and disappointment. <laughs> we thought we'd go. We'd give a positive comment to oh, finish here off. Here we go. A positive Why comment. Why from, not? Why from not? Shane. Good work. No matter what anyone else thinks, this is a step in the right direction.
1: Well done, Shane.
0: So there That's you go, it. Shane. Uh, again, guys, we're going to finish off now. If you wanted to write into the show, Strain Hunting Podcast uh, at gmail.com. If you want to click on that voicemail icon... Yeah. Uh, you certainly can on the on the website, which is australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. dot com dot au. You'll see it on the right-hand slider bar. It'll say leave voicemail. You can use your phone, you know, your iPod, uh, your iPad. Yeah, you can record it any which way you choose. You can re-record it if you don't get it right. Uh, when I get it, guys, don't worry. I edit it, make it sound good as well, which is you know, which helps, uh, and also you know, do that sort of thing as well. Uh, also, too, you can find us on the Facebook page Australian Hunting Podcast. Just chuck that in. Sorry. Uh, on Facebook, and you'll be able to uh, get on there, enjoy the conversation. I think we've got over twenty, twenty-one thousand 21,000 now on Facebook, which is absolutely fantastic. So that's really, really good numbers uh, continually and keep on going up. I know I did receive a lot of emails about, you know, where was straight shooting? You know, we were at hunting. You know, Muzz obviously had uh, the the baby just recently as well, so it's good to get back into it. Justin, hopefully, will be joining us on the next show as well. Uh, We just had to get one out. We had to get, you know, keep the process up of the straight shooting, which is important too, to give you guys the details become one of the most popular shows on the ahp platform which is good and we are going to try and do that in future as well we are going to introduce different topics per show uh, not just give it politics as well i know a lot of people do like that and like and hate it just as much as i do but it keeps people motivated but we're going to be talking about different topics uh on straight shooting uh over the next couple of months obviously and over the next year again patreon.com forward slash ahp you know for just a couple of bucks guys a month you know what i mean it helps us out you know let's us go to shows equipment uh, upgrading microphones and all that sort of stuff as well it's not cheap to run the show i spend a lot of time as does Muzz, coming over you know to help me when he's got a family as well and still gets time to do this uh so that's really really important we've got a bunch of shows coming up too we're going to have some hunting shows and i'm going to be having talk to a fellow about um quail hunting so if you'd like um quail uh that's going to be an exciting show for you to get some yeah, tips and tricks uh on Quail hunting. I'm also going to try and chat to somebody. I haven't, I had someone in mind, but um, they're sort of, um, you know, want to keep this sort of stuff to themselves at the moment. But I'm going to be finding someone to discuss, especially in New South Wales, some state forest hunting. Mm. How to start in state forests. How to scout state forest hunting uh, properties, uh, areas, I should say, Um, where to find deer, where to find goats, pigs, uh, the mapping system from the DPI and stuff like that in New South Wales. That's going to be great. Uh, So we're going to find someone to be able to talk to you that actually gets out there constantly and really, they might hunt private land, but they're going to be spending a lot of time hunting state forests. And we're going to give you that detail too on how to get out there, how to use the mapping system and find areas to be able to hunt in and be successful uh, in state forests. Mars, anything to add before we finish on? Yeah,
1: Jason, we've got a lot of stories that we didn't mention tonight because it's so much to pack in. Obviously, we haven't uh, uh, recorded a show for quite a while and we've been pretty busy, like Jason's just explained. So next time, next show, we'll definitely discuss it. So please stay tuned for the next show. Hopefully, uh, Justin Luke will be joining us for the next show, which will be great. Uh, So we'll discuss a lot of things um, uh, all to do with guns and NFA and so on on the next show. Uh, But Jason, uh, uh, we recorded a video. Okay, well, yes, so, we, so did, w- yes. we recorded a video. Now, I won't tell you what the details of the video are, but stay tuned sometime in the future uh, on uh, YouTube. You'll see a new video by myself and Jason. Hopefully, you will enjoy that video. Okay, so anyway, Jason, that's another yep. show, another show for this, uh, for this episode. And um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening, for tuning into the Australian Hunting
0: Podcast. Yep, without further ado, my name is Jason Selms. And I'm Mario Vlatko. See you guys next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.